Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, hi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 396. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy, along with Johnny V. And Johnny, I am not going to lie. It may look like I'm in disc golf heaven. I haven't passed on yet, but I am in uh, what some would consider disc golf heaven. That's for sure. Yeah. Where exactly is disc golf heaven, Terry? Well, uh, Florida's version, at least, on the central west side of florida at least uh i'm over at the sun king disc pro shop located in hudson which is about a half hour south of brooksville and brooksville certainly on the map as the host of this weekend's throughout on the mountain 10 weekend number four at the grand canyon and grand being g-r-a-n not g-r-a-n-d so uh, they're so clever here. They got it all under control. But yeah, super excited. I'm in the Sun King Pro Shop. The first time I've ever been here, Mike Barnett turned on the lights and just left. So <laughs> there's Does Mike thousands know you? upon thousands. Yeah, I, I don't know what he's thinking, but thousands and thousands of Frisbees here, along with an insane amount of uh, accessories and supplies. I'm looking at bags and carts. I'm looking at a couple of portable baskets, all sorts of things here. So tonight, bringing you uh, some updates from what's going on here in Florida. I think our tournament director, Mike Barnett, actually, as soon as he's done with a few things, will be joining us a little later. We'll talk to him about this upcoming weekend. We'll talk about the previous three weekends that he's had. This event has grown so big that they actually now put in the temporary course for an entire month and wow. he's had to separate it to four separate weekends because the demand for the players is that they all want to come here and play in the tournament and he went from one weekend to two two to three and now this year at four separate weekends uh, to try and accommodate and accompany uh, or accommodate all of the different divisions that are out here wanting to play it's it's i'm gonna say it it's bonkers I think the kids still say that. Yeah, it's definitely they say that. So that's where I am. That's what I've got going on. Like I said, Mike will be joining us in a little while. You're back in Milwaukee. And uh, I think one of the big, obviously, the number one conversation from this previous weekend is Texas States, another disc golf pro tour elite series event in the books. What is that? Our third of the year. We've got one silver series down, three elite series down. 
and uh, a couple of first-time winners of the 2022 season, right? Yeah, not first-time winners like we've seen in no. previous <laughs> weeks, but first-time winners for this season. In fact, it's both of our Players of the Year last year, FPO, Paige Pierce, in a nail-biter that came down to the end. She was our Player of the Year. Uh, now, she? now, granted, there's like 12 Players of the Year. I know. Uh, I was just going to so say, just right there with who's rated the highest. I, I, yeah, I can literally just say, yeah, they were Player of the Year. And no one can question me because I'd be like, no, clearly. Somewhere no, they are. Somewhere they are. And Ricky Wysocki. Yeah was the MPO. Uh, I th- I think, honestly, I think Cat was player of the year for PDGA and Paige was player of the year for DGPT. I think this is how it worked. I'm not 100% sure on those things, but who knows? I will say, no in one can all fact fairness, check you are absolutely it, right. It doesn't exist. No one can fact check me. Sorry. <laughs> because you know what I'll say? I named them the Smashbox player of the year, so eat it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That that makes perfect sense. That is a uh, a good call on your part. Um, and, and you're, you're right that it's now, and I know I kind of took my jab last week. It's impossible to keep up with what ranking or what one you put the most, the most stock into, whether it's, uh, the UDISC ranking, a pro tour ranking, a PDGA ranking or a PDGA world ranking stat Mando, I think has their new rankings. Everybody, everybody has a set of rankings and ratings out there. And I think it's Ultra World, I believe, right? So it's only going to continue to muddy the water as to, you know, who's our officially the best. Yeah. Well, mine, but, whatever yeah. I say is probably the best. At any rate, some of these people are really good. I think that's a fair statement. That is a fair um, statement. I, I will go along with your uh, comment about the fact checking. I, again, very short time already here in Florida today, walking around on the property, and there's a number of individuals that's that uh, walked up and were very, very kind and gracious. Um, one in particular who wanted to support us financially stated that he likes he likes that we're pretty much uh, well. He says we're neutral, and I don't I don't know if that's entirely true, but we are. He like said we he just, does like how factual <laughs> we are. Like we just coast. We're in neutral. We don't care. We just kind of <laughs> throw her in neutral and let her go down a hill. No, no. He he could appreciate. Uh, I, I think he was getting at that. Um, you know, we're not we're not actively trying to create drama. Now, not that we don't talk about it or that there's some out there, but we're not actively trying to promote it or create it. And he said that he liked that. Uh, he he seemed as if uh, he feels as if we're actually pretty factual. I was like, well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but yeah. cheers to that. I don't know where he gets his facts, but not the same place we get our facts. <laughs> so, so nonetheless, uh, very uh, great day here in Florida to get well, things thank started. You. I arrived. Whoever that was. Uh, yes. Um, I arrived last night. Yeah, last night. Uh, I spent uh, right after the tournament. I drove actually from Tyler over to Dallas, which is about an hour and a half to two hours. I drove over there, spent the day there. Uh, in Dallas on Monday, flew out last night to Orlando, and then drove about the two hours from Orlando over to where I am here in uh, in Brooksville area, and then was able to get, get down to the course today, walk around the course, um, saw Alan Widboom, saw Lisa Fakus, Alan Hermosillo, Jamie Mosier. I mean, all the all the uh, the celebrities were out there. Paul Macbeth. Um, yeah, got to see a whole bunch of really good people out there and uh, hang out on the course today. And like I said. 30 minutes from there, I'm in disc golf heaven with 
there's just so many discs. I, I'm thinking tonight we should have extra giveaways. I mean, <laughs> there's, yeah. I'm sure he won't mind. Wall. Those are probably all just stock stamps yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't mind whatsoever. Um, yeah, and to be fair, I know somebody just said that I look a little more red than normal. I'm looking at some of the, the track lighting around here. I, I don't think it's entirely my actual complexion. I think it is a little bit of the lighting in here. So, But I'm going to wear some more sunscreen this week. Don't you guys worry. Sure you will. Sure. All right. Let's so talk let's a little talk bit Texas about Texas State states. Specifically, yes. Jinx, uh, let's start on the FBO side. Women first. All right, women first. As we said, Paige Pierce winning this by four strokes, although it was closer than it really kind of felt. Uh, 17 and 18, really uh, kind of pushing it. You know, it's we saw on hole 18, Kristen Tatar just had a devastating hole, took a seven. You know, she she what she like rolled out of bounds and then she hit a hit a tree and kicked her out of bounds to take a final seven. That was a three stroke swing versus Paige Pierce to end up losing by four strokes. So as you can see, it was relatively close. Katrina Allen, uh, a rough hole 18 as well. And it's tough to to kind of judge those because both of them were pressing for, they had to do something if they wanted to win because Paige had them by yeah. a stroke at least uh, going into that. So, you know, it, it's... Yeah, Paige had, Paige had Kristen by one and Cat by two, or was it the other way around? Nope, it was Kristen by one and Cat by two, I'm fairly certain. And okay. and so both yeah. of them had to press on 18. And after the, the top three, it, there was quite a, I'm going to say quite a drop-off. There was a few stroke drop-off to Valerie Mondahano. And... Yeah. And so both of them kind of pushing the the envelope to try to make up that stroke to no avail because both of them ended up, you know, going OB sometimes multiple times. And Paige just, you know, we always know Paige plays aggressive, but it was really interesting to see how aggressive she really was on that final eight final hole 18. She pushed that disc far and I was mentioning the slope of that hole is really advantageous for Paige because once you get to a certain distance, that slope towards the road really declined in steepness as opposed to where Cat and others were landing, which was much steeper to have a chance to get up on edge and roll. But Paige was throwing it so far that she was actually uh, on a uh, on a much, I don't say flatter because it was all kind of sloped, but a less <laughs> inclined line that was a little bit safer for her. And so with her power, she was able to avoid some of the danger. Now, she still pushed it quite a bit and it paid off because she got a birdie at the end. But what a great battle. Paige, honestly, it looked like she was going to run away with this at the beginning. And everybody kind of wrote it off by the third round or kind of after the first and second round. Like, all right, Paige just has this one. Let's, you know, let's just go for a nice stroll in the park. But we uh, we, we saw, you know, our, our typical trio at the top with Paige, Kristen and Katrina uh, battling it out. And it became a really fun battle on a on a relatively you know what was going to be lazy sunday yeah it was um exactly that uh, with the three of them and you know your point is is quite valid in that if you can push to a certain distance on 18 your your run-up can be that much better i mean it's still a tough shot and and you still need to find like the right spot to land it's not like you can just throw as hard as you want and land anywhere, and then you're going to be guaranteed a flat open shot. 
but Paige's shot happened to be like the absolute perfect spot it could possibly be in. And, you know, it was, it was I, I think it was in great insight that we had heard from uh, Philo and Ian in the booth when they were talking about it's it's really key to see who has the longest drive or who at least isn't out and, you know, and has to go first. And, and in this case, we saw a couple of OB tee shots, but even if all three of them had landed inbounds, there's so much that could have been done as a reaction to what they did on their second shots. And so having that extra distance in this case and being able to, you know, take advantage of it and then accurately place it, that paid off huge dividends, uh, you know, in the throwing order. Just there's so many things that all came down to it. And as everyone has said, I mean, it was a legitimate nail biter. It was it was absolutely incredible. And and as always, you know, the the my personal side is I'm standing in the fairway of 18 thinking, all right, if. Page wins, maybe here's a question or two. If Cat wins, totally different set of, you know, like I'm starting to think ahead and thinking, oh man, none of this might matter. We might have a playoff first. I mean, anything's possible. So it was, it was incredible to see. It was such a great battle. And I talked to Cat afterwards. We were kind of walking toward the parking lot. She's like, I, I feel great about my play. I'm not disappointed. It, you know, it was a, it was a good weekend of golf. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but it was a good weekend of golf, and I, I couldn't agree with her more. I mean, it was she battled, Kristen battled, Paige battled, and when it was all said and done, um, you know, Paige came out on top of this one. And we all know you, you know. Uh, the wind blows a different way, and we have a different winner. Honestly, the way that the yeah, way this say, what did they division say? You run goes. it back, you, you run it back in poker another 10 times, we might have, yeah. you know, four or five other outcomes. Mm-hmm. So. It was it was really cool to see. And again, hard fought battle. Um, you know, it, I think maybe what's really interesting is that. To think that this is I mean, think of the momentum in which Cat is in and Valerie, for instance, and in the wins that they've collected already and how their success is so far this year. And, and Kristen's always been on the podium and and one at the memorial. Paige had a, a second and a, a and a, I think, yeah, a second and a sixth. Uh, so far. So to see her pick up her first uh, of the year, um, you know, nothing for nothing. They don't come as easy as they used to, so to speak. I got a kick out of it because those of you obviously are regular smashies who were listening last week. I made the postulation like, well, is has Paige gone soft, you know, now with all this other stuff she's doing? Or is, is the competition catching up to her? And then she comes out on like the first round and is smacking the course down at a nine under winning by, you know, leading by like four or five strokes five? or something. Four or, yeah, five, yeah. four or five strokes. So I, got, I did get a kick out of that because clearly, you know, as I said, it was really just sports talk radio. And what I really felt was that the division was just catching up to her. But after that first round, it didn't look like that. It looked like Paige came to play. And mm-hmm. clearly she won, but it was it was definitely a, a, a gosh, it was so much fun to, to watch the the only I would say the only downside. A lot of people complained about the look of the course. I, I'm I'm not so much a. I, I don't really care that much about the look of the course, to be honest, as long as the course is, is, is fair and plays well. Um I just didn't like the course flow. There could have been some changes there. I felt. Yeah. And just some of those, yeah, two, that, that some I, of those. Yeah. yeah I, I think a lot of people agree. Like some of those holes are too close to each other. Having to wait. while another per, another group tees off because their tee is too close. 
the course itself, if you individually look at the holes, I felt like they were really good. Other than hole one as a really dumb green. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, other than that, wow. it's uh, the, the course, every hole, the shape for the most part was pretty good. I felt so. Um, he, here's what I will say. And I, I couldn't agree more. I was a little frustrated myself and I'm, I'm just a media guy uh, with regard to the flow. I, I think it's worth clarifying. The players waited and had to wait for some of those holes ahead of them. And I think of hole 10 to 11, perfect example. Uh, an errant hyzer shot on 10's tee blindly hit somebody in the back of the head on 11's tee. Um, an errant shot on 14 could hit someone on 15. An errant shot on um, uh 17 could maybe hit somebody on 15. Anyway, all of those scenarios are if errant shots happen. Mm -hmm. And, and I know we're expecting the best of the best and, and, and rarely did we see that, but it was more of a precaution at no point. Did I, did I personally now, Gren, I'm usually with the, the top cards at no point. Did I see an errant shot from 10 get near the T of 11, but I'm also watching the top cards. I guarantee you at some point there was someone though that did throw on 10 that did almost hit someone on 11 if they hadn't waited for them to clear. And so I guess what I'm the long winded thing I'm saying is if perfect shots are thrown, that flow isn't an issue, but nobody also wants to risk that either. Cause if uh, a subpar shot does get thrown, that's when it was going to actually affect some of the other holes. And so I, I think, you know, we're not going to get an argument out of anyone that says some of that flow was a little bit frustrating for that reason. And, and the holes themselves might play great and look good on paper. But when the reality was you're waiting for somebody else to clear on the hole ahead of you simply as a precaution then yeah, you wish things were stretched out just a little bit more. And and you think, you know, there's there's three courses, as they kept saying, on that property. And there's, I don't know if there's 100 or 200 acres or whatever it is, it would have been nice to see just a, a little bit more spread in some of those scenarios. So we weren't waiting on other holes. But you're yeah, right, like the, the holes themselves, I agree, a lot of people liked. Now, I will specifically get into the aesthetics. I, I know Ledgestone has a hole, you know, at Eureka, you know, we, we've been near the volleyball court, the sand volleyball court one year. You know, we throw around, a, you know, the the water tower is kind of a, a staple of the Eureka course. The baseball There's diamond. There's the baseball diamond hole, you know, hole five. I know we've gro grown accustomed to them, um, you know, at least at that elite level event and that Worlds and everything else that we've seen. Um, it's, I, I, I would I'd actually refer to exactly what I just said or revert to what I just said a minute ago. It's like 18 is a cool shape and is a cool looking hole. It just, there is something that feels funny about, Hey, we're still playing around the back of a baseball diamond. And it, it, it I can understand how somebody could say, Hey, it feels like disc golf's an afterthought. How, how big and professional are you if you're playing around the back of a baseball diamond? I can understand that argument. Now we all know as diehard disc golfers, it, the hole itself was incredible and I think it did everything it was, it was meant to do. It's just too bad that, you know, you, you did kind of have that look. So I, I guess I understand, I understand both sides of the argument, but 
it it was um, kind of cool to see some of the spectators on the inside of the ball diamond watching. Sure, like, like that was sure. kind of cool. It provides a good safe barrier. <laughs> it does provide a good safe barrier, and it lets someone you know return your disc when you threw it in there, as we saw with Tatar. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, I think it would be different if that uh, outside of the fence, and I know this would probably never happen, was lined with like an ivy. So you couldn't really see through the fence. So oh, it looked, totally. So it looked more like a, oh, a, 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 natural. a a natural wall. But again, that's oh, totally. We're, that, we're, that's a totally different story. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. if it is playing around a baseball diamond, if it doesn't feel like a baseball diamond, yeah, you know. And again, I'm maybe it's because of my decrepit age that I feel like we're, we should be happy to get what we get. Like, hey, we're we're we should be happy that this park is letting us spread out to wherever we want and we can design these really cool holes. Maybe it's an old school type of thinking because I hear a lot of people now and I look at them and and be like, you guys are spoiled say, well, no, we should have dedicated areas just for disc golf. And otherwise they're not elite enough. And I'm kind of, I'm still under the, uh, like, Oh, I'm, uh, you know, cool. I got ice cream. Oh, it had sprinkles on it. I don't like sprinkles. Like, but I'll eat the sure. ice cream. And that's kind of how I feel with it. Um, by the way, I do like sprinkles. So if anyone's going to get me ice cream, sprinkles are okay. Yeah. Just a They're few, gross. like just a little bit. I prefer Pink like course. peanut butter, like cup or something. Gross. But yeah. whatever. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I feel. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, and, go- and again, this is, <laughs> we all know this is no disrespect to, to Tyler and the Rose City Club and Greg oh, Barsby. No. I mean, I... But I think these are legitimate conversations, you know, as, as a civil adult that we can all have. And um, I, I can understand both sides of the argument about, you know, what the hole provided and what space was available. And I can also understand the the sheer aesthetics and the argument along those lines. I, I didn't love it. Um, like you said, if that were somehow lined with ivy and that's essentially look like an, a quote unquote ivy wall, I think that's a totally different story. Even if there is a ball diamond inside there. I think just the aesthetics of it not looking like what it is, the, the, an outfield fence, um, you know, to a baseball diamond. And again, I get it. USDGC. I mean, let's, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. And you don't want, you want to talk about parking lots and roads and, and um, you know, the challenges that the back of the baseball diamond and how that's been used, the big sunshade at the back of USDGC hole nine, uh, I, I'm, I'm not dismissing any of that as well. Th- those are all yeah. conversations. And like you said, depending on what generation you come from, you, you may or may not look at that a little bit differently. So yeah. let's go down the uh, results a little bit further into FPO. Obviously, you know, we see the top three and then Valerie Mondahano in fourth, having a great, great start to her season tied for fifth place. Uh, Missy Gannon, who I think this is her, is this her first elite series this year? Or did she play in Waco? Ooh. No, no, no. She's played. This is the first one she's really shown played up well. and, I thought and she, played like Missy Gannon. Oh, I thought she missed the first one, but maybe I'm maybe I was wrong. Maybe she did play Vegas. Uh, no, she was at. Okay. Well, I'm going to double check here for you. No, she was. She, she was, was there. at Vegas okay. and she never was mind at Waco. <laughs> okay, I, for some reason I thought she, she just missed wasn't Vegas. at them. <laughs> she just yeah, she just didn't show up. She was there. She I didn't mean, show up though. But yeah, so Missy Gannon just to uh, put it in fifth place. Seven, she did finish seventh at Las Vegas and she finished twelfth at Waco. So she was there. She just, you know, she wasn't up near far up near the top as we would have maybe expected. That, Certain, that's all. Certainly. Um Own Scoggins, who again has had a really good start to the year. She seems to always be, you know, right on that leader chase card uh and and 
still one of the one of my favorite people to cover. Uh, we got a, we got a great mm-hmm. shot of her and and uh, her I think it's her husband and they were kind of snuggly. Nothing. Yeah, and and she at one point she like reaches over to his stomach and like kind of feels his belly and then like she looks at him and squeezes it like a little and she kind of laughs and he laughs. <laughs> it was it was just this little great interaction that we had um with with own and and and, and him it was uh it was pretty great seventh place uh hannah blomrus so we've got uh, our, our second european in seventh place uh behind Kristen, who tied for second cat merch who has again had a, a really good start to this season she throws a mile um she she usually puts decent um and so you know this is her kind of coming coming maybe coming starting to come of age you know, a lot of times you hear about, you know, the third year in football, it's always the third year wide receivers that are the ones that are the breakouts. And maybe this is her, you know, third year wide receiver year where we're going to start seeing her crest these top fives coming up. Uh, Maria, Maria Oliva. She finished fourth at Waco, which is, yeah, uh, but did so because of her last day. Go on. Yeah. Uh, Maria Oliva in eighth and then tied for 10th. Jessica Weiss and Kona Star Panis. So, and I know Kona has kind of taken a a little bit of a beating the last couple of weeks at at some of these events, and her getting used to her bag and this big contract we've talked about. But it was uh, it's good to see her. She looked like <laughs> I felt so bad. We all did in the control room because she's having this phenomenal uh, final round. And at one point, let me look. She was, yeah, oh god, she was a couple down at one point and just kind of making a push. And then the camera shows up and yeah, she, yeah. She, thro- she throws into the woods on the left and then she whacks a tree uh, on her out shot and she ends up taking a six. And we all, I mean, we all joke about it in the control room. It's the curse of the camera because when that, you know, I think maybe Philo or uh, no, maybe it was Christine Jennings that was talking about it, obviously, as she was doing the commentary, you know, you're shooting well compared to the field when suddenly that random camera shows up for somebody and you probably know it's you. And whether that whether or not that made any difference, I don't know. I always am again a little bit more on the uh, uh, ruthless side when I say, "Sorry, everybody, you have to suck it up." You know, some it's bothered some people in the past. You know, they're in this groove, and then suddenly now they've got a camera on them. But you know, that's what you ha- that's what we're here for. Honestly, that's what everybody wants. You all want to be featured. You all want to be on those lead cards to get the that footage. So when a camera shows up. Hopefully that wasn't a direct relation. Hopefully it was just we caught her at that tough hole because it is a tough hole. Mm-hmm. Um, but she mm-hmm. did go. She did go on uh, to uh, maybe that was second round she had done. We were. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at. Yeah, I was looking at the wrong round. Uh, but anyway, Kona Star Panis. Yes, we we caught her on that where she took a seven. I'm sorry. She took a seven on hole 15 um, after she was one, two, three, four, five, six under par. And then we leave. The camera kind of bails off. And then she gets two more birdies right after we leave. What do you do? Um, but either way, taking 10th place uh, and, and, and finishing very well. So hopefully this is the start of a, a, a mini push for Kona to kind of not that she has to prove herself, but I'm, I know she wants to prove herself to herself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not to, I mean, clearly she went on to, you know, to finish strong as she did. Uh, Hannah when it was all said and done actually had the hottest round just by a single stroke over Kona's. And I know, you know, Kona had that major hiccup there, but Henna ultimately had the 61, which was the hottest round mm-hmm. on uh, Sunday's final round. So congrats to her. Um, you know, her, her counterpart in um, Evelina 
I was just going to search, uh, struggled a little bit. She finished kind of, you know, finished the actual tournament strong uh, with a three under on the final round, birdied three out of the last four holes, but ultimately finished in 27th and uh, had a, ha- didn't have nearly as good of a, a weekend. Is there anything we can make of, of Henna and Evelina not being in contention week in and week out as, as maybe their ratings and everyone else would have expected? I mean, I'm I'm not a sports psychologist. I don't know. Um, although I have 12 mm-hmm. degrees, although I do have 12 degrees in sports psychology, I'm not a professional. I don't, I don't, I don't pay. Yeah. I get paid for it. Okay. Um, but <laughs> and and, all that research that we talked about you doing last week, all yes. that research. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's so many things it could be them coming over to the States, having to adjust. We saw, uh, we, we heard Nicholas talk about this, the wind. Like they just don't have a lot of wind in some of their areas. So having to adjust to that is, is difficult. Um, the, the pressures of now being on the pro tour, the disc golf pro tour, this is the biggest tour in existence right now. And I know the European tour will be spinning up in April um, doing, sure. doing things like that. And cameras will be all over, but some of these, some of them are not used to having so many cameras and all these little obligations as far as, you know, uh, comp, uh, uh, you know the the press conferences and this and that. Sure, I, I, I don't know if what it is. It could just be that cool. They, I mean, I, I don't know. If you look at ratings, you you see that they are some of the better players. But when you're always playing against like the same three or four women, it's different when you come here and suddenly, yeah, you there are 15 more women to play with and compete against and watch and, and be intimidated by or intimidate them. And it's a different atmosphere. And I don't know what the reason is. One of the things I did see, um, and and I've heard, I think, I don't, you'll forgive me who mentioned it. It, Maybe it was stat Mando. Maybe it was PDJ stats. I don't know. Evelina first in fairway hits last in circle one putts. In putting. Yeah. First. Yeah. Which she just, Daniel she, just posted on our board. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. So there, there you go, Daniel. It's, I don't want to call it the yips. Cause I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's what it is. That's a whole like designated thing. She's clearly got a putting problem. She clearly needs to work on it. And she, and she clearly knows that no one's surprising her. Yeah. Again, like, like we said last or, you know, two weeks ago or whatever, last week, she, she needs to figure it out. And she, I'm, I, I'm sure she will. It's just a matter of time. Maybe it'll take her going home and just focusing on golf. I think they're they're staying through Champions Cup, right? And then going, or I think Kristen's Kristen no, Tatar. Kristen's left, but I think um, the other two might be here through Champions Cup. I don't know for sure. Well, I'm going to know for sure in a second through the major. No, um, um yeah, I mean, I so any anyway. It, I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, they're here. They're remaining here. Yeah. I thought they were remaining through champions cup and then taking off and coming yeah. back, but I know Tatar left early and whatever. So I, I don't know what Evelina, I know she's scared. She walks up to a putt and she's scared because almost all of her putts are coming up short. Every circle two putt yeah. is a hyzer that's coming up short. So she's, I, I believe she's thinking I, if, if I miss this, I have to be close. So I don't have a putt. And that right, right there, if that's in your head, you're done. Because if, if you're walking yeah. up thinking, if I miss this, and it's a normal green, that's a problem. Now, if you're looking at a death putt, 
you know, a 50 foot drop off behind the basket, you know, a, a huge, an OB. If you're looking at hole one at the, at fountain Hills and you're looking at the water by all means, come up short, <laughs> but on a normal green, ugh, like that, that's not the attitude you can go into a putt with. You have to think you're going to hit it. And, and if you're not, you're going to hit that 15 or 10 or 12 foot comeback. So She's got to work through some things in her game, and I, I, she's good enough that she can do it. You can see it in her fairway hits. She's a good player that just has a hiccup right now, and a lot of players go through it. So, yeah, and I, I guess maybe I wouldn't have asked the question about them and their consistency if they were rated. I'm going to say nine forty, nine fifty. Um, then I think you would understand that they seem just to fluctuate a little bit more. But when, and I'm not trying to pick on them, we all know this, but when they're rated as two or three of the top rated women in the world, and I think of of Evelina and Henna specifically, mm-hmm. uh, especially then when you compare them to Kristen, which they may or may not love, but when you compare them to Kristen, and you're talking about three out of the highest, five highest rated women in the world, and Kristen has come here and Kristen has performed and, and shown up in essentially every event. Evelina and Hannah have both had their challenges. And again, I can't stress enough. This isn't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling them they don't, you know, nothing they don't know. And I'm not trying to pick on them. But you, you just, if somebody wanted to second guess or challenge maybe either their rating or, or their all overall effectiveness, I mean, they're they're definitely sub what we've seen out of Kristen and Kat and Paige this year. And here's and, other, and maybe it's just the first two first two months. And we be. make nothing else of it. And for the next ten events we see them, they're fighting one and two. That absolutely can happen. I understand that, but they haven't shown us signs of that. Correct. Um here's the other thing. They're what? Twenty years old? Uh twenty two, twenty three, somewhere in that neighborhood now. Two young twenty-two-year-olds coming to America for the first time. Maybe their Not mind the is first, but. well. I mean, being able to tour for the first time—they've come here, but they haven't done like a full tour before, like like we have. They've usually come for an event or two, and then they fly out and back. I know they'd wanted to the year of pan- the pandemic, but they only got like two weeks in and had to leave. Maybe their mind isn't fully on disc golf. I don't know. Maybe they're and it's their they're job. Finished. I think it is. <laughs> it probably is. It, you're right. It, pro- it probably is. There, there is nothing. There is nothing else they're worried about other I, than being than, just saying, uh, crushing. If, <laughs> if, if, if they were having fun going to, you know, amusement parks on their off days and doing other things, I have a hard time blaming them. <laughs> I, I would have a hard time blaming them if, but the problem is you'd still need to get your job done. And if that if something yeah. like that were to be interrupting them, then you have an issue. I don't believe that's the case, but I mean, maybe they're out drinking all night. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Let's just start that rumor. Let's just assume. It, it, that's we'll, what, uh, hey, listen, that's what we did when we were in our 20s. And look how we ended up. <laughs> yeah, but we, we weren't anywhere near the top of the game. Uh, nor did anyone care what we were doing. Thankfully, okay, you're, you're <laughs> so. okay. You, you might be right there. You might be right. <laughs> All right, let's move At on any rate, to um, the MPO. Yeah. Um, th- this one was another nail biter. Uh, another close, very very close uh, 
contest, so to speak. We had Ricky and Kelvin yep. and Greg Barsby basically fighting for the top three spots. Um, Greg was really uh, pushing his way to be in it. He was only down by, I think, two strokes to the leader at one point. I don't know if he ever got within one. It was close, though. Um, and then he just kind of missed a putt or two on on 16 and it just it he just couldn't at that point it was over he couldn't keep up with the other two guys it was just too far out ricky and calvin came down to the 18th hole where ricky was up by a stroke he was at you know well at the time he was at 28 under calvin was 27 under and both of the one of them had to birdie it you know if ricky birdied it odds are he's winning and if calvin birdies it then at least he has a chance, and Ricky has to. Well, they both birdied it, so Cal or so Ricky walks away with the win. Calvin walks away with second place. It just another great battle, and it came down to little things. I mean, Calvin had two bogeys in that final round, and that's really the that yeah. was that that was the 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 breaker right there. That was the problem. That was the difference between first and second place. Um, I know Calvin missed a putter too. Ricky didn't. Ricky doesn't miss putts apparently in Texas. Yeah. Did you see that stat? I, yeah. In the last uh, two years of point, the of the Texas state of uh, Texas of Texas states, he's missed one circle, one putt in the last two. Yeah, years. out of like eighty six attempts. Yeah, basically out of the yeah. Think of all the circle one putts he's had in the last two years of Texas states, <laughs> and he's missed one. That's dumb. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's, I, that is I, ridiculous. I, I literally want to knock a disc out of his hand when he's putting just to make him miss another one. <laughs> like there, you can't make them all. Yeah. And, and you, you have to wonder, I mean, if somebody really wanted to get into it, they could go probably find the one that he did miss. It wouldn't actually take that long. It's probably on some footage somewhere. It's got to be on U-Disc. And it was U-disc. probably obstructed. What? It's, it's on U-Disc somewhere. Yeah, you probably, can... yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I, exactly. You could find it. Um, you know, was it obstructed? Was it uphill? Was it, um, you know, at, at 32 and a half inches or something like that? I mean, it doesn't really matter, but mm-hmm. you'd have to. Now I do really want to know what where that one <laughs> where that one miss is. Um, we'll dig it up and <laughs> next time he's on the show, we'll show it to him. Hey, Rick, exactly. That's hey, a good call. That'll be a secret thing. Like all the smashies will know. Don't tell Rick, but we'll show it to him and we'll say, what was this putt? And it'll just be a little miss. And he'll be like, I don't know. He's like the one putt you missed, dummy. <laughs> yeah. So nobody tell Rick. Rick. Nobody tell Rick. Uh, yeah, so Ricky Wysocki <laughs> uh, takes the win. Yes. Well, and uh, also for what it's worth, uh, because we're a little uncertain how tonight was or wasn't going to go with. Uh, with timing and in internet and everything else, we didn't necessarily line up uh, an outside guest outside of Mike Barnett, who's going to join us in a little while. Um, but I did reach out to Rick literally moments before the show actually started and, and explained all that to him. And I asked if there's anything he wanted the world to know. And if if I get any updates or response from his text, I will be sure to share it. But um, yeah, so uh, we want everyone to know that, you know, Rick and Paige, who are somewhat regulars on the show, uh, just know that they're in no way slighted by not being here. It's just they win all the time or often. So uh, <laughs> having them after every single victory uh, would eventually uh, wear out the Internet or our Internets or something. Uh, Ricky missed. Um, but if he does have anything, I'll share it. Ricky missed the circle one putt on hole three round one. Hole three round one of the of, last year. No, of this year. OK. Oh, this year. Hole three two, down. Okay, yeah, the downhill. Yeah. Huh. 
Oh yeah. And I, I was thinking like, yeah, that should have been a birdie. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do. Re- I even recall it. So, so there's that. All right. Moving on past. Well, let's Ricky. pull that up. Let's, <laughs> let's meme that. I mean, come on, <laughs> dude, you suck. What's up? <laughs> you could have won by two. You God, jerk. Can't you make them all? I mean, uh, give me a break. A uh, course designer, Greg Barsby takes third. Um, that, that's, that was a, I don't want to say a point of contention, but that was a talking point about, you know, did he do well because he was the course designer? I'm going to say no. I said, Greg, he did well because he's a 25 year veteran that, yeah. um, plays good disc golf and he's a world champion. That's why he did well. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. I, I, somebody these, did post on somewhere asking if there's somehow, if it's unfair, and I, I couldn't disagree with that more. It's certainly not unfair um, whatsoever. If, I know if, we <laughs> talked last week about how common it was, but it's not unfair by any means. If all the shots were giant forehand hyzers around things, I would question <laughs> his design skills. I'd be like, it's really weird <laughs> that you're throwing a lot of things that, you know, you, just forehanders and lefties can get Greg. And he'd be like, I don't know. Or, or if but. there was if there was a, a a ring that's like six feet tall around every single basket, a hedge, and you had to use the loft putt to go hammer down on it like his putting style is, again, then maybe you'd be like, uh. No. It, or, or if there was a little ramp going up to every single basket that was perfectly placed for a roller, maybe, but no. Greg has no advantage these players could come show up. I mean, does he have an advantage? Sure. Should it in any way be, um, you know, disqualified or, or, or whatever? Absolutely not. No. The, the advantage is that maybe he got to play the, the course a few extra times in designing it, but uh, maybe, but or, like that, or he played it last because he was working on the design all the time. Could that, that could you be know. too. That could be too. Exactly. That's the, that's about the only I think advantage you he has. Uh, fourth place, Joel Freeman uh, is, is stepping up as well. He he shot pretty well this uh, this weekend, uh, tied with James Conrad at twenty one under. Uh, Jeremy Colling pops up into a top ten. We haven't seen that in a in a a, 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 a moon's age, so to speak. Yeah. He's yeah he's uh, he played pretty well this weekend having. Playing, uh, you know, do, doing the Jeremy Colling thing. A lot of forehand shots, a lot of good putting. Colling proving he can still, you know, play with the, the young guns once around. in a while. Yeah, he can still toss that frisbee mm-hmm. around. Uh, seventh place, the young gun, Gannon Burr. Eighth place, Paul Macbeth. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I'm going to put you in an awkward spot because you're staying with Macbeth. So you're going to have to answer some questions. Uh, tied with Macbeth was Chris Dickerson and Emerson Keith. To round out your top ten. Now, after, yeah, and go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say real quick. I wanted to, I wanted to chime in on the on Coling specifically. Well, first of all, before that, since I had another stat up earlier, Page won I think four thousand dollars for winning this. Her current year to date in her other three events was like four thousand and fifteen dollars. So she effectively doubled. Her, you know, her annual, and I know it's early and it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but it's kind of see that you've won four grand in three events by not winning. And now you show up and you win four grand in a single event and you effectively double your, you know, what you've taken home this year. And then in that same vein, I look at Coling. Coling took 34th at Vegas. 
He took 40th at the Memorial for a net total of $707, takes 50th at Waco, uh, an event he's won before, and then he comes out this weekend, you know, and and finishes, as you said, in eighth, uh, correction, sixth place for $1,700. So you, you just look at that trend, so to speak, 34th, 40th, 50th, and then he jumps into sixth. So fair to say it was a it was a solid weekend for Jeremy Colon. Yeah, I think that's put, a fair assessment. Perfectly fair. He he played he played well and give give him props for that, especially for a guy who has a lot of yeah. other a lot of other uh, irons in the fire right now um, with doing a lot of different media and stuff like that. So props to him. After day one, everyone kind of thought Paul Macbeth was going to win because that guy that guy came out on fire shooting a a a 12 under par which mm-hmm. greg barsby had said obviously as we heard over and over and over in the broadcast you know if anyone gets to 25 protect them he was he was on pace to shoot 36 and then the course came <laughs> yeah, back that, right? then the course came back and bit him um he shot an even on the second round and only a three down on the third round which three down isn't anything to scoff at uh i know he was pretty uh, i would say I'm sure he was unhappy with his even in that. I, I can't remember the last well, time Paul Macbeth has shot an even or a plus almost round in any course. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's that would be. I'm curious. Someone go back and look. When was the last time Paul Macbeth shot over par on any course? Was it uh, would it be USDGC maybe? Probably a couple of years ago at that USDGC. Yeah. Uh, that was a thousand five rated. So just for what it's worth, an even par still was a thousand five, which will probably not even count against oh, his rating due to standard deviation. And uh, yeah, I mean, just to put this all in perspective, when you're talking about these numbers, he shoots twelve under in one round, and then shoots fifteen under for the weekend. So. It, clearly, you talk about how solid that opening round is, rated right 1086, and and how great that was. And then you look at a thousand five, thousand twenty seven, and you know, so for him to shoot twelve down in one round and then shoot three down over the course of the next mm-hmm. two, certainly, certainly a uh, a significant letdown um, at that point. Yeah. I, I I don't know what else to say. Paul had a bad, uh, you know, and, two days. Well, I would disagree with you. I mean, um, you know, only in the sense that you know, you a moment ago you had said you know he shot the twelve down and then you know it looked like he was you know he was going to win it or whatever. I mean, yeah, he clearly had a great round and was off to a great start. The oh. the tournament and the course, you know. Uh, there is exactly what it was. I think some people are would be lying to themselves if after that first round and the way Paul has played the last few events, if you didn't look at this and go, cool, everybody's fighting for second after that first sure. round. Okay. Like, like just you, you never know, obviously, as we've seen. And you can't I would not have put a ton of money down to say Paul McBeth is going to win this thing for sure, because they were people within a few strokes of him. And, and we know as we know, Paul does can can falter. But the way he's been playing up until that point, it just it and the way he played that first round, it just everything looked like it was set up for him to win. So whether it was going to be by one or by 15, I didn't know. But I would have put uh, I don't I wouldn't have put money down, but uh, maybe a disc I'd have put. Maybe I put a disc down. So hey, I think Paul's probably got this one. But clearly that's not what happened. The course got him kind of bit him. And and he he fell back down to earth rather hard. So 
but still, top 10 finish, nothing to scoff at in today's field sizes. Because we see, you know, we're going to call some people out. I think they cashed, I think 53rd was cash, something like that. <clears throat> so we, we've uh, seen, we see some players who didn't cash, like your Matt Bell and Andrew Fish, Andrew ben, Fish. ben Calloway. Ezra Aderhold. Yeah, Linus. Rated 1035. You know, just some really, really good players. Bradley Williams, who almost wins every Texas event practically, didn't even cash in Texas. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that that could be a stat to go back and look at. When was the last time he didn't cash in Texas? Um, yeah. double, double G on, on a course that I felt wasn't extremely wooded. You know, you've got that wooded area. I and one that maybe benefited a few longer throws. I, I I would have thought Double G would have finished a little bit better. Nathan Queen didn't cash, so we are coming to the point now where I think every event you're going to see a ten thirty plus player not cash, and just flip it. You know, f- draw a name out of a hat because it's probably going to be somebody with the way that these uh, these fields are tightening up in these courses and everybody taking this very seriously. So. Yeah, I mean, is there is there anything to make of, you know, who's been uh, kind of the, the one of the main storylines this entire year, the Cinderella, that is Luke Humphreys. He finishes in a tie for 45th. He's six under on the weekend and really just essentially one stroke inside the cut line. You know, 184 was the cut line. Uh, he was uh, at 183 total strokes, the six under, five under, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean... I, there's something to be said about that, right? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna stick my foot right in my mouth here. Um, well, what? No. What was that? I said, "What's new?" Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yep, I'm listening. Uh, Luke Humphreys is a great player, but I think he was pl- he he was he was playing above his his normal capabilities for the first couple events. I don't think we'll necessarily see him take a, a top five or a, maybe even a top 10 more than another time or two the rest of the year. I think he'll take some top twenties. He'll probably, you know, m- maybe he'll pop up into a top 10 one more time this year. I just think he was, he had a couple good, he was on a, he was on a heater. You can't blame him. He, you know, he, he was shooting very, very well. He was putting well, he was driving well, but you can look at in general, a player's average, based on their rating and see about where they're probably going to finish. And I think we're going to see Luke maybe push a little bit more down towards the, the to his average that we've seen. Um, and maybe, you know, I said maybe this was an aberration and Luke is a whole new player this year and his putt is on and his drive is on. And I'm, I'm going to, again, I'll write it down and I'll have to eat it <laughs> or something. Uh, but in general, I, I don't necessarily see uh, I, I don't see Luke as that constant contender like we did see him. So that's okay. I mean, yeah, obviously time will tell. We'll see if this was a hiccup or if this was a, a you know, where where he's more likely to fall on any given weekend. Uh, and somebody had asked on the board talking about a, another notable uh, that gets lots of attention uh, and we're waiting to see, um, you know, how his year continues to go. Of course, I guess we had a few weeks ago in St- Scott Stokely. Uh, when it was all said and done, he finished in a tie for 73rd. Mm-hmm. Um, along with a 
bunch of other, again, really solid players. I mean, that's, those are, that's just the reality, you know, as you were just alluding to really good golfers that have slightly off weeks might not cash because the fields are so deep and so talented now. Um, You know, and, and it's funny to me in that, and funny is not the right word they'd like to hear, but when I look at like, Oh my gosh, like, so-and-so didn't cash are you serious like i mean it, you know na- namely like an uh you think of a nathan queen and what we you know how he closed out the year and what we know he's capable of mm-hmm. to know that he couldn't get within five or six or eight of the cash line i think is surprising and it uh you know says just how stiff the competition is yeah so i mean it's I don't think many people other than Scott had him had, you know, were are picking him to be a, a top 10 or top 15 competitor. Um, sure. But I would pick him to probably, I mean, he's a 10, what, 10, 15, 10, 20 rated player right now. Something like that. I probably, Stokely? yeah, something like that. No, um, I think he's, uh, I think he's about a thousand. Is he? I, th- I thought he was a little higher than that. 995. Yeah. He's dipped. Oh, he's wow. dipped down to 995 which was part of his challenge being oh, sub 1000 right. and being able to register for events. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's right. You're, you're, you're hundred percent correct there. Um, I mean, I think Scott's going to cash at more events that he doesn't, but I, sure. I, I don't think he's, you know, he's going to be competing for those wins. And I don't necessarily, you know, I know he wants to be, but everybody has a, uh, everybody has that little voice in the back of their head. That's hopefully realistic. <laughs> And, and understanding but again as someone put on the board scott's doing a lot of other great things for the for the sport for a lot of local charities you know he this is uh i feel like these are bonuses to him because he's doing so many other things these days that that's making that's making a difference so All right. Well, that's what we saw for the Texas States. I don't know if there was any other big, uh, crazy storylines. I mean, unless, you know, as we were reading his name a little bit earlier, I think of Gannon Burr and you think of what he did to open the season, how we saw him play, of course, at the at the All-Stars and what he did there. And then you think about Las Vegas and then to see him finish 25th at Waco, 24th at Belton. Uh, this weekend, he comes back a little bit stronger, finishes uh, seventh place. You know, when you looked at him at Vegas, you thought, oh, my gosh, I, this kid's going to, like, run the table, right? I mean, if he plays 90% as good as he did at Vegas, you expect him, you know, in the top two or three or five at every single event. And the reality is, again, it's hard to maintain that level, of course, that he showed at Vegas. And secondly, if you're not at that level, there's two or three or 10 other guys that are ready to play at that level that weekend, and they're going to jump ahead of you. So, um, but good to see him, you know, fight back to that seventh place finish. Um, you know, that was the other thing. And then a couple of the locals who, you know, understandably, we don't, we're not super in depth with, but I know Philo had mentioned them a few times, and obviously they're great golfers. The JT Hancock, uh, along with John Willis, both had, um, really good showings as, um, you know, Texas natives. Connor O'Reilly, a name we haven't seen too much of, um, you know, since last year's uh, event at uh, Iron Hill, but you saw him finish up there in the top 15 as well. So, 
There you have it. You know who else? The other bit. You know who else had a great weekend? Eagle McMahon. Eagle, oh, did he? Eagle won a C tier in Wyoming at the Wyoming Hall of Fame he championship. He did. Eagle won this weekend. Really? Shoot, yes, he did. Shooting. Oh, uh, uh, man, I got coverage coming from that. Wait, I sent a guy. <laughs> that would not shock me. Um, that would be it, a good idea. It looked like it was a one round event. And he shot a 51, which was a 1060 rated round, besting uh, Tyler Trefethen by five strokes. And yeah, so that's got to be good for Eagle to know that, or for everybody to know that he apparently has had his MRI and he feels comfortable enough to go out and throw. So hopefully whatever doctor or whoever he's seeing is telling him, hey, you're healthy enough to throw. Maybe you have to restrict your throwing maybe something, but we're, we're, we we did see Eagle play this weekend shooting a 1060 rated round and in the same event winning the open women field. Ratana Meekum, his girlfriend. <laughs> so yeah, I was just noticing that. So clearly yeah. we're doing this all wrong. Who cares about Ricky? Who cares about Paige and their little C-tiers Texas are where it's at, baby. Clearly, uh, we, we, we absolutely took a bogey here tonight. We should have been reaching out to Eagle and Ratana uh, and having them so that they could break down their, uh, their victories. And I'm, I'm not clearly, I'm, I'm being funny and not poking fun at them. But, yeah, uh, great, like you said, I, I'll just echo that. G- great that it shows that Eagle was comfortable enough to go throw disc competitively uh, because he, he he's not at the C tiers for the glory. Um, so the fact that he was out there, I think, is a promising, hopefully a very promising, um, you know, sign for the rest. Well, for his game, maybe not promising for everyone else that has to then go back to competing with him. But um, yes, congratulations to them both. As I I was noticing that as well. Did you did you pick that up on your own that it was his girlfriend that won? Yes, I had, I had, did, I did. Good job. There you go. So yeah, congrats to them. Uh, We did not check the C tier circuit originally, but uh, um, that that's got to keep us on our toes here at Smashbox. I know. I'm gonna have to start looking at every C tier to make sure that our ten our ten fifty boys are not going there winning them. (laughs) Uh, You know, you just never know. (laughs) Where was Dickerson? Now Dickerson, though, on the other hand. I mean, not, you know, as not as of late, would we expect that? But also it wouldn't be crazy for him to be at a C tier on any given weekend. Uh, you know, when the tour is not in in an area that he's traveled to, then it, then we'd believe it. But uh, Eagle, not 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 as uh, as often. That's for sure. So anyway, that, that's that's our C tier wrap up for the <laughs> for the events this week. Congratulations to Eagle McMahon on your one round event and, and taking home that three hundred and twenty dollars. I'm sure the guy who took second place loved to see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here's the crazy part: Did we confirm Eagle didn't just show up and play left-handed? <laughs> no, we didn't. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll say this: If he showed up and played left-handed and shot ten sixty, <laughs> the entire field should be scared out of their britches. Yeah, then we're all in serious trouble. So, uh, yeah, that's no. Uh, again, congrats, uh, congrats, of course, to them and 
Yeah, uh, pretty crazy. Crazy to see. Um, let's let's dig into uh, just one more thing, or it's it's a little larger, but on the Texas State side, real quick, because we have the insider knowledge to some degree, some of which we can share, some of which we can't. But uh, how about from a DGN, um, you know, production standpoint, any anything of note? Because we we kind of had a yet again yeah. another unique and uh, different setup this weekend. Sure, every it feels like every of every week is a unique setup these days. Uh, but we're we're starting to hammer that down. For those of you that don't know, we've kind of we've I <laughs> as I'm the kind of the tech guru behind most of the broadcast. Um, took everything that we had in our studio and have now virtualized it up in the clouds so that we can have our production people coming from all over the world. It's really all over the country, but in theory, all over the world. Wait, so, does Snoop? Does that mean Snoop Dogg is, is uh, has land next to us? I think so. Yeah, is we're he in the metaverse. Space, virtual space next to us is Snoop Dogg watching in the metaverse. That's might, what I want to know. He might be. I, I can't. I can't say for certain. Um, I okay. can't say a lot of things about Snoop Dogg for certain, but yeah. So everything is virtualized. We all remote into these computers, so like you would at your office whatever we remote in we take care of everything there and then you can be anywhere so mo's in rhode island i forget exactly where tosi is somewhere on the east coast uh gary and i are here in milwaukee so we're in a studio but we're actually using different computers that are remote um we did a bunch of upgrades this weekend ian and philo and christine jennings came into town and were in the room next to us but yet they were technically set up remotely um and it's things are coming together. In fact, you may we did a huge bunch of upgrades and a bunch of moves. So you may have noticed a little bit of glitchiness with the Disc Golf Network version versus the YouTube on Sunday because uh, one of our little settings had got changed with this big upgrade. We found it. We changed it back. And now hopefully we'll, we won't see that little. It's that one glitch where it like automatically rewinds like 30 seconds or something and you watch something again and then you're good mm -hmm. for five or 10 minutes then it kind of bounces whatever anyway we know we understand we got it solved it was a a, a little upgrade thing but yeah so we are now officially virtually virtual <laughs> and everybody can do anything from wherever we are still going to kind of get together for some of the big major events so we're all so we're all here in milwaukee uh champions cup is one of them worlds probably maybe european open um probably disc golf finale or things like that, but it's saving in theory, it's saving the disc golf network travel expenses. This weekend will be the same way uh, for the upcoming MCO event, the music city open Charlie Eisenhood will be doing it with Brian Earhart. And I don't know who the FPO commentator is. I don't know if it's going to be Christine or not. I haven't looked, but, or if it's Elaine King, or, Oh, you tell me that Terry. Uh, I, I think Nate Perkins will be on the ground, but, everybody will be dialing in remotely. So you might get a little bit of that, you know, well, like Terry and I have here, every once in a while we'll step on each other's toes because there's just a hair of a sink that's off when you do this stuff remotely, like any Zoom meeting. But it's really cool. It's a very cool concept. We're actually very cutting edge in sports in general, but uh, but for sure, for sure, for disc golf, you know, we are pushing boundaries that other sports are not even there yet, which is really cool for me because, I'm the one that's kind of clicking all the buttons and getting it set up. It's fun stuff for me. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to spoil it for the world. This is a Smashbox exclusive that I don't think the world knows just yet. Next or this week's mm -hmm. uh, MCO, you're going to be watching that. 
uh, live or post-produced that this week's MCO uh, FPO color commentator, a new one, Zoe Andike. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm looking at the chart, and I I know this is all really uh, public, um, but I'm looking at the chart. Charlie Eisenhood along with Brian Earhart, as you mentioned, and then Charlie Eisenhood along with Zoe Andike on the FPO side. So I can say uh, I'm very only, exciting. Only slightly disappointed that it's Zoe because I would rather have Own Scoggins, but other than Own, who who's <laughs> never done commentary, um, <laughs> uh, I'll take Zoe. She's going to be phenomenal. I think even Zoe would step down if Own wanted to do commentary because everybody <laughs> loves Own and she's the funniest woman in the planet. So. Yeah, well, um, yeah, so that's what you're going to see. It does not, uh, I don't see a, um, I don't see a, uh, an on-the-course commentator. That may or may not be the case. I don't see one on the actual schedule. So we'll see if they're going to have someone check it in or not. Uh, I do know that Nate Perkins, who often has performed that role, Nate Perkins is going to be uh, right here in my neck of the woods at the Throw Down the Mountain. He's going to be competing this weekend. So cool. it'll be great to see him compete. I know he had a, a couple of really solid rounds in Texas State. So we'll see if he brings some of that uh, momentum over here as well. So pretty cool. Pretty cool to see. Yeah. So this weekend we've got. Um, so yeah, that's uh, what you're going to see from the MCO. Yep. We got MCO Silver Series. Um, some of the players that you're going to see there are Chris Dickerson, Adam Hannes. Kyle Klein, Kevin Jones, Linus, Nico, Mason Ford, Joel Freeman. Um, we're not seeing some of the, you know, our, we'll say our top, our, our top tier players, our, our, our number, <laughs> our top four right now, which is probably Eagle, Ricky, Calvin, and Paul. None of them are playing. So, and I think they're kind of spreading out because I believe, as we said, Paul is going to be at Throw Down the Mountain, an event he has been at a few times and enjoys. Um, he's down there going to be doing that. Um, we also have the annual, the 39th annual Dogwood Crosstown Classic, you know, something you and I played. What do we play, like the 15th one or something? Because we're old. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say it would have been wh- whatever was held in like 1999, uh, I think, was probably the year that we were there. 2022. 20, uh, and I don't know. Did we play in the Crosstown Classic? I think we played in a we, different one. Uh, we might not have played the actual Crosstown um, Classic. I don't think we played the Crosstown um I'd have to think about it for a second, but we played in a different one. Um, yep. And that gosh, event has Andrew Fish, Matt Hammerstein, Evan Smith, Dan Hastings, Philip Bartholomew, uh, Chris Conway. So you've got some players there. And then obviously where Terry's at this weekend, we've got uh, the Sun King throw down the mountain where you've got the Paul McBeth, Calvin Heimberg, Thomas Gilbert, Tim Barham, Thomas Gilbert, who pulled out of Texas state because, um, I don't think he wasn't injured, but I think he was trying to avoid injury. He DNF'd uh, he, uh, something about the, the ground and the sand he didn't like or something along those lines. Really? Yeah. I don't think I knew that. And that's interesting because tomorrow I think I might be doing some filming that will involve uh, Thomas Gilbert and Calvin Heimberg and a couple of guys here in, as they're going to be practicing and playing in Florida. But I, I don't think I realized that. Yeah, he he DNF'd in the event uh, along with Yuli, both of them at, at Texas State. And Yuli obviously nursing an injury. Um, but yeah, it's Thomas Gilbert DNF'd after, I believe, the first round. Maybe, maybe it was after the second round. Huh. 
but either either way he uh yeah he 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 didn't finish and and again i don't know if it was an outright injury or it was more preventative so uh yeah so thomas gilbert will be there and tim barham alex russell charlie goodpasture nate perkins as you had said we michael gibney a few guys you know that we've seen pop up but ultimately you know this is a this will probably come down to a Paul and Calvin battle, but you never know. This course is uh, this course is different. But if you look just at the ratings, both of them have about twenty points. No, yeah, twenty plus points on the next on the next guy, which is Thomas Gilbert. So, but Thomas has been playing pretty well, so we'll see. Uh, Thomas won like twenty nine dozen A tiers in Florida to close out the 2021 season. And I think to open 2022 or something like that. So just saying anything's possible. Anything is possible. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, from, a, I, I would, sorry, I was going all the way back to the whole production standpoint. Um, look forward to that on MCO. And I guess what really this brings up the, an additional point, as you were just mentioning, where some of the, various players are it clearly we have Calvin and Paul and a bunch of other really good players here in Florida. There's a number of really good players that are at MCL. There's a bunch of really good players that are over at the Crosstone classic. And then aside from all of them, there's a lot of players just taking off this weekend as well. Um, you know, after a couple of solid weeks, back to back to back now moving into a silver series event, if you're a top level player, and I think of right off the top of my head, James Conrad comes to mind. Cause I talked to him. He doesn't, you know, and he didn't say this, but he doesn't need to play somewhere. He's going to perform well enough throughout the year to secure himself a spot at the tour finale. And so some of the Silver Series events just don't necessarily interest him. And I think that's all part of pacing themselves. Look at uh, on the FPO side, look at Paige Pierce. She's the exact same way. She doesn't need to be at a Silver Series event and she's just pacing herself and aligning herself with the events that are, are the biggest that she needs to concern herself with. And that's, that's, uh, that's also a great opportunity for a lot of our other players to turn around and then I don't want to say make a name for themselves, but to step into a role and, and come out, you know, uh, victorious and, or just have a breakout weekend or event or whatever, you know, think to last year, you know, we see a, a Deanne Carey jump into her win at Resistance and um, uh, Heather Young picking up her win at Mid-America. You know, a few of these players that, uh, you know, are contenders on any given weekend. But when the Silver Series rolls around, it's like, hey, somebody else can step up and step into, uh, you know, onto the top of that podium. So, yeah, anyway, it's... um. It's interesting because we have such a diverse weekend and a lot of people doing a lot of different things. And then the weekend after, if we're jumping ahead, honestly, you look at the week, the open at Tallahassee, fair or not, is I think that event is going to kick ass. I think it's going to be amazing. It's a great course. Dave and the crew do a phenomenal job. I, I was brought in on, a I think, an exclusive talking about some of the, the, the ace pool and some of the things that can be won or given away. Like we're talking about like a twenty five thousand dollar twenty twenty two Polaris Razor uh, can be won by just hitting an ace. Um, it's awesome. I think they're going to see a number of players skip it. 
and that's part of that's just that's part of the schedule. That's the nature of the beast. They're going to skip playing uh, a great course with a great tournament and a great staff, but they're right in front of the major. And clearly, every single one of the players that you've heard from has talked about the major that's around the corner, and that's where their sights are set. Understandably so. So I don't know. Would would you would you reassess or would you rethink running a large scale event the weekend before a major? You know, for if we're seeing, or do you not concern yourself that you're not going to get the top five players in each division? I guess it depends. What, what I mean, would you, would that change your mind? What is my goal as a tournament director? Is is my goal to expand my event for future? chance to be on the silver series or pro tour. If that's the case, then yes, then I would, I would completely second guess it because it's going to be very difficult to, to elevate your event. If a lot of the top pros are skipping it because you want to draw at least your good regional pros. Um, if my goal is just to run a good event year after year, and I really don't necessarily ever see myself getting on the silver series or the pro tour event, then I've got no problem running one. Cause I don't really care if I don't get those top guys um, as, it, as a silver series, you know, if, if someone handed me a silver series event and said, you know, we're, we would like you to run at the weekend before a major. I mean, I guess I wouldn't have an issue with that, knowing that if you're already a silver series, you probably have a pretty established history and maybe this is just a one year kind of thing. I I don't know. It's there's so many scenarios. It would be difficult to say, but yeah, it, it all depends on what you want out of the event. And as a, as a tournament director, you know, are you, are you trying to get rich, which is what all the tournament directors are doing? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that's why I retired into media is because I made so much you money made running so much money running tournaments. <laughs> I, I got bored with it. I mean, that's what Barnett is literally out. Just like, I think he's, I think he's at his other pro shop. He's on a yacht. He's on a yacht. That's why he's <laughs> left all these Frisbees here because he's out on a yacht. I mean, for God's sakes. Yeah. He's like, I don't even care about all those Frisbees. I'm on a yacht. <laughs> I'm on a boat. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, no, exactly. it, it, in general, obviously, what, what do you want out of the event? Why are you running it? You know, there's, there's, so many different scenarios, but yeah, I mean, you you have to expect that there's, there's other, again, there's other times of the year when you're going to see that. Are you running an, a big event when everyone's over in Europe? Are you running a big event the weekend before everyone, like the weekend people fly over to Europe? The, you know, the, these are things we saw the, uh, Deeglo have that issue a couple times where they were right on that cusp where some players just decided to skip it because they were going to take that extra week and go over to Europe. Uh, it's, it, yeah, you know, there's very rarely, you know, unless you're an actual elite series event, are you not going to run into probably some sort of conflict? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, those are, you know, again, those are the opportunities, whether you have the the highest rated, most elite level players there or not. Those are the opportunities that, you know, some of the. I don't want to call them the mid-level players, but the the next step, or for someone to go out and make their mark and make their presence known, is to uh, you know show up and win at the Silver Series level or whatever you know big A tier is taking place. It doesn't just have to be Silver Series, but yeah, we we, we shall see. 
All right. Um, I, I think that's about it on the, in the world of Texas states when it's all said and done. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, with the fact that this is an event that moves and rotates and it truly is handed off to other clubs, other cities. It's kind of a bidding process. I guess that question then that begs to be asked is, by any form of default, does it or does it not? rejoin and and be again on the pro tour next year because the pro tour knew that what they were getting this year they were getting mm-hmm. they're getting steve story his crew and they're getting Lindsay park those were all known and and maybe by now they already know they're getting blank td at x course you know next year but that may or may not have the proven track record that was here this year, this year. And I'm just, I'm a hundred percent speculating and postulating here, but does that mean that potentially there, we may not see a Texas States on the tour next year? I mean, do you have a gut reaction to that? Possibly. Look, an I initial mean, reaction. The spectator turnout looked worse than we've seen at the other elite series events. Didn't look like there was as many spectators. Um, sure. I wouldn't be shocked if Texas State weren't weren't on the event list next year as an elite series. Or, I mean, would it? Here's a question. And I Wait, you would or wouldn't be shocked? I wouldn't be shocked if they were off. Um, if they were off, okay. If they were off, but here's here's my next question: Could, and I don't know enough about the Texas tour. Could Waco? Also, be the Texas State Championship, Texas State's event. Mm. Could you technically combine that? Or I, I don't exactly know how that works with Texas State's. I know it's a rotating location, so I don't know if it ever rotates to Waco and you just combine that and say, "Cool, we're, we're doing that." I, I don't know, but I do know that there's a lot of people and a lot of hubbub right now t- saying that maybe we're spending too much time in Texas. Maybe we, you know, jump up to Oklahoma go to, you know, fi- find a, a new location. The the issue we have is that Steven Story is a a phenomenal tournament director. Like his staff, like they 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 have their they have their crap together. You can trust him. You could throw him basically 2 weeks notice and he's going to put on a top tier event and 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 not bad an eye cuz he has he has a process and he has so much stuff together. Not that he not that anyone would do that to the guy, but you could. That's how good he is. Uh, I, I don't know. Rotate. I mean, rotate Waco in Texas States every year. Uh, maybe upgrade. Find a way to upgrade Belton one year. I don't know. Like, it, it just feels based on the spectator viewership that I saw on the course. It didn't feel like there was a lot of excitement for the Texas States event locally, at least. And maybe that's just because where it's at, Tyler is X amount away from a large city. There's not a huge draw. It's, I I don't know. I mean, if, if you can only get, and I don't know the actual numbers, but we'll say a thousand spectators or 500 spectators and every other place is pulling in 2,500 spectators. That's a lot of money you're leaving on the table when you could go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, and I think I saw a post Maybe by the by the local club, the Rose City Club, who had 
uh, when it was all said and done, said something to the effect of, you know, more than a thousand spectators out there this weekend. I don't know if that's broken up, what that exactly ma- means or not. Is is a thousand, um, is, is that considered a, a success? Were, were there any limitations? I still don't know whether it's a, a pro tour thing or a parking thing or a COVID thing. I, I, those are some of the details I'll, I'll readily admit. I don't know any of the parameters to it. Um, if they're trying to limit in any way some type of ticket sales, I mean, if there was a thousand people there because a maximum amount of a thousand tickets were sold, well, then that carries very different weight than saying, hey, there were 400 people there and there were 4,000 tickets available. I mean, clearly it's all somewhat relative. So uh, I, I can't say I, I know any of those specifics in this particular case. And I think we're going to see as the year rolls on, on-site viewership almost just inevitably is going to ramp up. I mean, the season's going to ramp up. Um, yeah, the excitement level, the people's, you know, just everybody is going to, I think, ramp up that much more mm-hmm. uh, regardless. So. I guess uh, I guess we'll see. It was yeah. uh, we saw and, that the, and, and somebody the, I, the Champions Cup have, has sold I believe sold out of tickets, um, and they have limited and they have a limited number because based on the course, it's such a heavily wooded course, and the IDGC isn't set up really for a lot of spectators. So they have like these yeah they have these packages that are like VIP packages that have sold out, and and and. You know, that's that's unfortunately a downside of the IDGC. I, and I've only been there once, maybe twice once, I think. Um, I can't think of a way you could configure that. That area to be able to accommodate 2000 people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not it's not so much the actual I'll say the entirety of the facility as it is the mm-hmm. actual course. You know, which I know kind of go hand in hand, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's definitely going to be certain areas that just spectators are not going to be, be able to be allowed. Um, you know, some of the fairways and whatnot. Now I do like the spacing that's out there. I feel like, um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm unsure how they're handling it to tell you the truth, but, um, I'm excited to see because when you have those fairways and you have the, the people out there that are in these kind of somewhat confined spaces, uh, throughout the the rounds, um, it's it's going to have this very uh, I, I don't want to say intimate feeling, but it's you're going to feel it. The presence is going to definitely be felt um, by a lot of those players, and uh, um, yeah, it should be really exciting for sure. Yeah, it it will be. So, um, Mike Barnett just mentioned uh, a moment ago. He texted me saying that he's going to be uh, heading this way soon. So I guess he's getting off his yacht. And uh, might come check in on uh, some of the things that he has going on here, and then we'll join. He'll join us, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the specifics for what's going on for this weekend, and maybe recap just a few of the uh, highlight, a few of the details from the previous few weekends. What's been going on out here at Throat on the Mountain? So, um, all right. So I think with a hundred percent now, Texas State's in the books, and 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 the really truly the Texas swing for now. Uh, 100% in the books. I don't know if we're going to see an NADGT wrap up there again, uh, you know, at the end of the year or not. Obviously, there's disc golf in Texas every single weekend, uh, you know, probably a, a half dozen C and B tiers every weekend somewhere, you know, throughout Texas. Um, 
real quick, we want to provide a, an update. And I know we had a lot of support when it happened. And I'm going to put another post out there. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had Paul and Pete Uliberry. They joined us on the show. Uh, I wanted to give an update about um, the GoFundMe that's happening. Um, I know it's somewhere in the, it looks like it's getting close to a $16,000 uh, amount currently. And I know that they are almost to a point, as terrible as this ultimately sounds, they're almost to a point where they can afford the full demolition, <laughs> is what it sounds like. Um, that would be for the complete demo. I'm trying to read a few details. Um, yeah, that would be able to help complete the demolition. And then from there, they're just going to build it as they can. And so... Our smashies were incredible that night. I know a ton of people went out. I'll be the first to admit I have yet to contribute. Obviously, I'm going to. I meant to do it that night, and then I got sidetracked, so I'll be doing it here tonight uh, on a personal level as well. But go out, please. I put the link into the uh, Super Chat just now, moments ago, so if you want to click on that, you can. Uh, it's it's listed under Help Sean and Patty, Mama Yuli, uh, Recover from Fire. Uh, it's out there, and it's it's currently around uh, fifteen thousand eight hundred dollars. But please, please go out there, consider supporting, and uh, show some love for that uh, incredible family. And obviously, unfortunately, the devastation that they've that they went through that we spoke of a few weeks ago. And I want to real quickly, and of course, I don't see every single you know news and and update. And I love to share the positive ones and. Send out the the big hugs and the well wishes when I can as well. I know uh, John Hollingshead, who has done an incredible job uh, with a lot of photography and has done a ton of work within disc golf. He works with Hazy Shade uh, and and works with a lot of people, especially out of the Ohio area, but has just done amazing photography. Um, I know that his father was in a, a motorcycle accident and and. And I'll just echo, I'm going to say what John said, which was just, I, I think he used the F word, just, just wear your fucking helmet, I think is what his exact post was. And so I'll echo that for him. Um, he, he very, very adamant about that. And it sounds like his, his father didn't ultimately make it. And so big hugs and well wishes to John and his family. But his big takeaway on top of that all to share with the rest of the world so that we can all learn and grow and and protect one another is uh, to wear your helmet. Uh, clearly, whether you're riding a motorcycle or, or mountain biking or doing any activity of that sort, uh, just how much a helmet can really help. So I wanted to pass that on um, as well. And that might be a week or two old. doesn't matter. John's a, an incredible guy. So I wanted to put that out there. All right. Yeah. I think uh, before Barnett gets there, we can kind of do a little speculation and, and chat. Last night on uh, the Nick and Matt show, Paige Pierce kind of, I don't say dropped a, a, a nugget of information about the Pro Tour and that they're working on um, standardizing baskets for the tour. Now, whether that is working with a, that's all, I think that's all the information she really had. And we know, we've known that this is kind of a thing for a while whether that is the pro tour making their own basket or working with a particular company to brand a basket. What are your initial thoughts on this, Terry? I, I mean, I would have to assume I, you're going to be bringing these baskets and putting them in. Like they're just going to 
trailer them around with somebody. Yeah, in theory, you would have to. I mean, if you're if if or or you're part of a package deal is you're sending the a set of these baskets to the course weeks or months ahead of time. Maybe there's two or three sets and then they're placed in a week or two weeks ahead of time. And then as you grab them and collect them, you get them to an event, you're leapfrogging. That I don't know. Logistically, sounds like a heavy, expensive nightmare. I mean, if we're just putting it out there, you know, you're talking about a basket on average weighing somewhere in the neighborhood of like 68 to 75 pounds, just give or take a few pounds. Uh, So you're talking about 18 of those in theory. Um, yeah, I, I need the clarification as to if it's going to be a solely in-house branded disc golf pro tour owned and manufactured basket, or are they just going to essentially take one manufacturer and, and then say, Hey, this is our official basket. I mean, logistically, one is far more practical. If they're, if I'm just going to make up a name, if they're going to take Discraft's Chainstar Pro and make that the official disc golf basket, well, then Discraft could be sending out Chainstars on any given weekend to all these properties, and you know that's just the next set of baskets that course or that event installs. If it is 100% exclusive to the Pro Tour. And they're not readily available. Like you said, that means they have to bring them from event to event and they have to be there early enough so that people are practicing on them four or five days ahead of time. Um, Do you though? Like, I know you have to have the course. I mean, you, you, you have to have your the course, course, your course available, but do you want to say it's like 72 hours? But they're there anyway. They're there setting up there. the assets. They're there putting up the OB ropes. Mm-hmm. They're there anyway. But do you have to have so, the, the correct baskets? And I mean, we you, you have to be able to play the course. You want the, but, the course is supposed to be set up, I think, at least 72 hours prior to the event. And, and so if an event starts on Thursday, yeah. I I would I would count baskets as mm-hmm. part of that. Baskets should be in place 72 hours prior to that. Are in all, my opinion. And I haven't been there. Are all the assets set up 72 hours in advance? All the flanners, all uh, of the at some events, I think they have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that I don't know. So, I, and again, just you know me, I'm not early for anything. I don't I, know. <laughs> no, I know you usually tend to come in uh, the day before. So, but I'm I'm never the, there three days early. The, that the, that much. The big, I think one of the big things that everybody's like screaming about is you know, oh, your sponsors, you're you're, you're going to be wrecking your sponsors and this and that. I, I don't necessarily think that's the case, but. What I do know is that I don't think you'll see a, we'll say a, a one of our major disc sponsors put their names on that basket. What, why would you, why would Discraft put their name on a, a generic basket to be associated with that? Because their name is still seen on it? May, maybe. I, I don't know. But I, the I don't, pro tour may not want that. Well, Correct. This comes back to you and I not knowing for sure. Oh yeah, none of us know. It's all, this the, is all speculation. Well, Jeff I'm just saying, even know. but you and I specifically don't know what the ultimate goal is because, mm-hmm. as people speculated, 
do they want to to name Discrafter in of our MVP as the official basket, Correct. and That'd then that's different. just what they make sure they, or are they cre- exclusively creating uh, their own? And I'm I'm looking at the PDJ Pro Tour or the PDJ standards tour standards in a moment here because yeah. uh, I don't always just like to talk out of my speak. Speaking of baskets, uh oh, those new buckets underneath of the baskets okay can we all agree those are pretty ugly i mean maybe we can't all agree because it's a personal opinion i hate them i think they're ugly and i i it just i would they they look unprofessional to me i i have no clue Hmm. what they're made of i have no clue the 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 sturdiness of them you know you hear them hit and you know it's fine i really prefer the the pole koozie personally i think it looks better it's a little bit more subtle. Um, it, you can still brand it on four sides. It's not quite as large. But it, then it's square if you're branding it on four sides, which I think yeah. is a legitimate conversation piece. It, it, right? The fact, the fact like, that it's square. The koozie. If it's square, yeah. If the koozie happens to be square, which we've seen some of them, mm-hmm. just like a number plate, direction then matters. If it's If it's perfectly circular then direction doesn't matter, right? It's, it's quote-unquote fair for everyone, every angle. Oh, sure. If it's a perfect circle, the pull koozie sure. yes. is just that, like a wrap that goes around a, a you know, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, whatever. Uh, I was going to say like a volleyball standard, yeah. as they're called. I know what you're A wrap that goes around that, you know, as opposed to, a, a, you know, a, yeah, a square or even triangular. I think any, any shape that's not cylindrical – you could have an argument about, hey, it's not fair that, you know, it, it helps with direction. Um, just like, again, a number plate. That was always one of the conversations sure. about a number plate being on top of a basket is a number plate, you know, clearly has two flat sides and then not so flat. Um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what those are underneath the, the baskets. The one thing I can say is, and again, if, you're, if we're looking at logistics, my guess is that there's something to be said about the the metal lifts that we see mm-hmm. in terms of transport, in terms of durability, in terms of of uh, denting and and sound and everything else that goes along with those. I mean, you saw Ricky in round one absolutely blast the OTB pillar um, on hole number seven. Like he probably dented it. And I, I jokingly walked to the next hole and he's like, hey, yeah, thanks OTB. I appreciate that. Like, <laughs> cause it, it stopped him right there. Um, so that makes perfect sense. However, uh, I yeah, don't, I, don't, I don't know about this and the repeatability. And then also, is it practical to get them to uh, be replaced? And I think all of that is what got factored into the design of whatever those exactly are. I, I don't doubt that there's a good reason for it. Usually the pro tour has a, a solid reason behind what they do. I just think those particular ones are, are kind of ugly. I don't mind the pyramids, the ones that elevate the basket. I, I care a little bit less about those. I think those can be really nice looking. Um, obviously, as you say, they can get beat up and, and, you know, <laughs> nicked and dented and whatever that may be. But man, did I not! I like think them. we should just have Johnny V's Pizzeria be the sponsor for all of them. I'm okay. We'll with just that. put your put your logos my, on all my, of them. My pizza. All right. So 
anyway. Well, just coming in fresh off his yacht, I think uh, I think we have none other than the owner of the shop and the tournament director joining us now. Whoops. Oh, oh, don't, don't damage the product. Oh, we've got a sale going here, by the way. Those are all in giveaways now. <laughs> all right, Johnny, you can click the button. We're going to welcome in studio here in his very own Disc Golf Pro Shop at Sun King. Come on in. Hey, buddy. Mike Barnett, everyone. What's up? How you doing, man? Almost, almost. So, first of all, welcome. We're here in your shop. Yeah, I Tell... don't think I've ever been more nervous to be in my shop. <laughs> you left me here alone. That was your first mistake. I know. I was too nervous for it. Uh, so, first of all, uh, welcome onto the show, onto Smashbox here. But uh, tell everybody where we are, what they should expect. You know, what what are we in, and what are we experiencing here right now? In here? Um, the Sun King Pro Shop. Yep, yep. Yeah. So um, I appreciate the, the throw over to, to the uh, question about this, and you know, we're I'm pretty sure we have the. Oh, you know, Come on, get in for it. Get in for it. Tighten it up. Yep, yep, yep. Get, let's um, get close. Yeah, we you know, 20 years. It's been 20 years. We've been in business a little over that, and. Uh, We've got uh, quite the operation. I mean, it's been a long kind of slow play through the uh, migration from vending at a park, running some events here and there back in the early aughts, I think they call it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, to move into a permanent location in 2007, having a store, and then eventually growing into what I'm pretty sure is the largest inventory in the southeast at this point. And it's been a long, strange trip. As anyone that's been in the disc golf side of business, as you know, um, coming from pretty mellow and like, like roots that are like where you got to eat it sometimes, right? You just got to yeah. eat it. Yeah. And uh, and now, I mean, disc golf's been blown up, and I'm I'm happy to be where we're at. It, it only took me 20 years to get this lucky, and uh, we're real excited to be hosting Throwdown Number 10. And but yeah, the shop here. Um, we've got the course. We've got the course out back. Which yeah. So let's I start think, there. You yeah. have how many? You have uh, first of all, where are we located? We're just it's, outside of Hudson. Yep, it's a little town called Hudson, Florida. It's just due north of Clearwater. A lot of people know the Clearwater courses. Okay. We're straight up US 19 in Hudson. Okay. So we're in Hudson. You've got uh, roughly how many square feet in here of disc golf? Uh, stop. It's about 2,500 here. Okay. But all told, I've got another thousand square feet behind me, another six hundred square feet over there, okay. and another, you know, uh, whoever knows what's in the house. I think I get seven thousand discs in the house. So. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so you've got all that, and then, um, and then out back, which I didn't get to see because I arrived in the dark. You have a eighteen hole course or nine hole? Uh, it's eighteen with two different sets of baskets. So we have a what I would call a red to white layout and then a white to blue layout. Um, uh, originally, I was managing the course. I'm not doing that anymore. I've got a partnership with the landlord here who actually owns a property. But um, it's it's you know good situation. We're we're good to go, and we're trying to get to two tee pads and two baskets, so we end up with four different total layouts at the end of the day. Wow! And if you just yeah, you so you described the kind of the difficulty. What if somebody you want to compare the course to any other courses, anything that people might know or recognize, 
in uh, this or, area. Yeah, or, or what? No. What are some of the features of the course that? Yeah, we've got we've got a, a slight bit of elevation, which for Florida is you know, and obviously talking about Throwdown is mm-hmm. the epitome of that. But um, we've got a little bit of elevation. There's uh, there's a ridge that runs between the two chunks of ten acre uh, section, so it gives a, l- a little bit of that. There's some water. There's some rolling hills on the southeast corner of the property. Um, we kind of call it like Florida's most fun disc golf course. Okay. It kind of appeals to a lot of different skill levels. It's definitely not meant for your gold level sure. type type situation. Where being a pay to play, we are kind of a pioneer in this area. Meaning we've had pay to plays in the past, but they've typically been on a ball golf course. Sure. And this is the uh, was the first pay-to-play dedicated disc golf course okay. in Florida. Yeah, so, so that, we're, we're kind of charging some new territory there. Yeah, and and as you just said, you know, not every course is meant to challenge Kelvin Heimberg and what he's you know out necessarily practicing. Yeah. But this course is a little more accessible, and which is probably great because a lot of people want to come shop and then immediately go out and throw some discs. Yeah, uh, or they're coming to play disc golf and then they can also do shopping. And obviously, you're you're getting it in either way. And then are you host to weekly leagues or monthly tournaments? What, yep. what you, what's kind of the schedule? We've got a pretty active club that does uh, uh, different events throughout the week. Uh, there's a group that actually um, does glow golf. Um, leading up to Throwdown, we were doing a putting league. Okay. And that's just kind of what put on hold. Just, you know, our staff's just kind of stretched out right <laughs> now. So coming, working all day and then doing Tuesday night putting league is kind yeah. of out of the question right now. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of activities going on. We have a driving range, okay. uh, 350 feet, which is, you know, again, not Calvin Heimberg ish, uh, but it, it suits most of the folks that are coming out here. And I think having that has been incredibly valuable to the new players because sure. it's, you can sell them a, a used disc or let, let them even throw a used disc at that point because it's used, right? <laughs> sure. They go out and throw it. Um, but you get to that situation where you can allow somebody to be active on the course and be practicing and learning and all those things that really comes into play at the, the larger level down the road. Um, and we do have some water out there. We did build a little pond out there. Um, but we got a cool a bunch of cool little features, little characters out on the course. Um, yeah. I know there's a Tyrannosaurus Rex out there on the <laughs> twelve. So I was gonna say somebody asked. I mean, you definitely you have, have you planted a gator or two out there? I mean, is Do it Florida have, disc golf without a gator? It it kind of is because <laughs> we we don't really want the gator, right? I know, but we kind of do. I mean, I understand from a you know legality and a sure, and, but at but the same time, a pond or a lake, like a real one, not some you know man made one. All right, all right. Uh, no, there, there's plenty of gators out there. Just got a good clear water's got plenty of them. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's let's shift focus. Here we are, the fourth and final. Yes, to take a big exhale. Yeah. Fourth and final weekend of the Throat on the Mountain. This is the tenth annual. Of course, right with COVID hitting, I I, I was almost literally on the way here uh, because we we're going to go from Waco to then coming to cover this event a couple years ago, and that got put on halt, but. 10th annual talk a little bit about the progression of what we've seen and why in the world do we have four weekends of it so it's been a progression we can if we want to go back to like kind of ground zero with uh, the, the rebirth of the property 
there was a permanent course on the on this property up until 2008 and which ironically coincided with my players cup i ran the players cup yep. for four years and that was the last players cup and it was also ended up being the last i believe greg hosfeld who mm -hmm. did the original course design um was bringing people out there on that monday after the players cup to play the final rounds at the canyon um little did i know is also the final rounds at for the players cup <laughs> sure. as well uh that's uh, that's a whole nother show too. yeah it is um but so fast forward until uh 2012 2013 i luckily through a friend of mine gotten uh, contact information for the new owners the okay. property owners yep and kind of just kind of hey i'll throw you a little bit of money let's can we still do disc golf if you're not going to develop the property like what can we kind of revisit this and uh it took me a while it took me four or five years i, I didn't go back and look but he finally said yes i think i just kept upping the amount of money yes weird <laughs> and uh he finally said yes um and that was a pretty scary moment because it had been a pretty famous course up until that time. But he said, yes. And I, I had no idea what I was getting into. Like I didn't even sure. into the property. And so I had to go out there and do some stuff. And I said, yeah, it's going to work. And so we started slow. We started with two weekends back then we were in January, yep, yep. which uh, even for Florida, like normalities is not, is one of the most volatile months like sure. January and February are, you can get those we can get 20s and 30s and we did we got those the first <laughs> yep, couple yep, years yep. so eventually i got to move into march um there were some events in march in florida but then they kind of moved around a little bit and all of a sudden march was wide open i grabbed grabbed a hold of that it was about the same time i think you were coming in yep, yep. and uh that it just kind of migrated from two two weekends which we would sell out in minutes and we have these long wait lists and then finally i said well i got to do three weekends we got to break this up <clears throat> and then we got into number 10 and i said i think it's time to do four <laughs> weekends and I, I don't really know another tournament that's three weekends no because you know and, and this is a this is a big topic a lot of people say hey we don't have enough um you know spots for beaver state fling because they have an am sure. or a pro you know because yeah. they have so many ams and that needs to be two weekends and, and vegas has four or five hundred people memorial six seven hundred people whatever the numbers are and and the default answer is always well they need to have a separate am and pro weekend like you know that's just a, a yeah. wave of the wand and a snap of the fingers right yeah. and that's always everyone's default answer so for you to then think two into three and now three into four i mean you're hosting two and 300 people almost every one of those weekends, right? Yeah, we're doing, we kind of max out at 200 for the AMs. We do do fivesomes. Um, what became very obvious was, of course, the property is so amazing, especially for Florida standards, that the demand just kept growing and growing. And then we saw that exponentially with the, you know, with COVID. Yeah. I mean, we got shut down, as you mentioned, for the pro weekend. Mm -hmm. in 2020 to only then just like have it like people come into the sport sure come in like just want to digest all what wait what's going on we got this amazing course over here so the 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 idea of having 
even a, a fourth weekend became very obvious. <laughs> and at one point, this is crazy, we had four sold out weekends with 140 people on the wait list. <laughs> Almost another fifth weekend like on the wait list. So inevitably that number comes down. I mean, yeah, a lot of, yeah. I mean it's six months almost between registration and the, the time the event happens. So we get a lot of things that happen with folks and, and we get those wait lists down, but we're pretty much sold out for all four of those weekends. And I don't think I would be doing the disc golf community a service by limiting it to two. I mean, it's just, right. I mean, at the end of the day, we have this huge demand. It really caters to a lot of the Florida folks who don't have the topography that don't have this. We get obviously a ton of turnout from them. And this is just a treat. It's a treat for them. We get, it's great to have on the pro weekend. We get some uh, solid uh, touring pros coming into town as well. And it really, you know, at the end of the day kind of culminates. And I think it's just number 10. We're definitely recovered at some level from COVID and the restrictions that we had. The sport's stronger than it's ever been. And I think that, uh, we're we're ready to kind of showcase again and, and we've, we've upped it we've doubled our purse from last year um and you know we're gonna, gonna you know kind of continue to grow as much as we can uh i don't know what do you want to do you want to do five next year <laughs> well that was my question yeah. i was just so, uh as i was heading out and and taking a look out here uh what what is it because we have you know and johnny and i were kind of just talking about it we have hey, johnny. <laughs> we have um a number of really good players that of course are on the silver series and, and a little bit closer, quite honestly, they're remaining in Tennessee. We have a few people over in North Carolina and doing the class or yep. the, you know, the crosstown, but yet you have someone like Paul Macbeth who is definitely going out of his way to come here to Florida. And, you know, last year, Justin Bennell, who was our champion, you know, not a Florida native or, or a resident here, you have so many of these people that are coming from all over. What does that say about the course and the event that you have such a diversity of people that are going out of their way to come play here? They're choosing to be here. Yeah, and I think when you look at the geography, we don't really flow 100%, right, with with everything. We're, we're close in this particular case <clears throat> with Tallahassee on the back end. Yep. And then we can flow right up to IDGC for Champions Cup. You know, that's a nice natural fit. Um, yeah, I think I think Paul was on your show. Yep. Uh, a few years ago, said that uh, maybe it was a couple extra uh, of the part. A few of the part threes were tougher. It would be his favorite course. Sure. And it, ironically, I was just kind of like when I saw that. I'm like. Did he know I was actually working on some of these part threes? <laughs> uh, I think, you know, we've discussed it before, but a lot of the work that goes on out there is sometimes two and three years in, in progress. So identify something I want to do, but because we're only out there for a few weeks a year, we have to cut, we go in, we trim. I got the awesome the awesome work crew, you know, yep. Dwayne, and Dwayne, yep. now it's expanded. I got Craig and, and Jason out there as well. And uh, so sometimes in the past, it's taken us a few years to actually get to where we wanted to be with a particular layout. But once we've gotten there, once we've done that, I just think that, like, for example, when we talk about elevation, there's different kinds of elevation. And there's elevation where 
let's take the Carolinas, for example, that is notorious for rolling hills through woods, more or less, mm-hmm. right? Yep, yep. And that's elevation to, and some of it's incredibly uh, technical, right? I mean, you know, I just think of, you just Charlotte, I mean, you can sure, sure. pick off a half yep, a dozen yep. courses right away. Um, but the difference between properties like that, courses like that, and even other courses in Florida, again, much flatter than the Carolinas, is that the topography here is such a dramatic change. It's sure. here to here rather than here gradual. to here, right, yeah. a gradual. And I think that even with mountainous courses, again, I, I'm not an expert on a whole lot out west, uh, Colorado. I've seen a lot of video and things like <laughs> that. But even a lot of that is kind of downhills or uphills, but – because this was a limestone quarry and they literally just dug straight down, you get these more contrasting positions. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what it is. And then when you bring in March, which was incredibly important, I think, for Florida, it's it's our spring break month. It's, yep, yep. There's a lot going on, but it's the best weather for the most part of, of the year in Florida. We get that nice blend. Kind of weird. We were, we hit ninety, I think today. Yeah, right. Exactly. Which normally doesn't have to like May. Yeah. But uh, we hit a little bit of that, and then of course we're, we've got some challenges with the weather this weekend. Um, but it, I think you just start taking all of that. You look at kind of the remoteness of the property too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not in a big city. It's not around a big city. Um, for the most part, it's pretty quiet. Except that one bird, remember that bird over on Cole Four <laughs> over here? <laughs> that loud yeah. bird. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's quiet out there, and it's, yeah. it's remote, and you got this really strange topography. And at the end of the day, um, you know, we've borrowed some of the original design and expanded on it as well to put in a little bit more par fours and par fives. And I just think that it's a great combination, and that's why. We've been kind of adamant on trying to stay in that time frame um, with other challenges fitting in with the rest of the, the existing tours. Yeah, which, uh, which yeah. Is, is certainly a challenge in itself because you, you're this beloved event and you want to play nice and you want people to be here. But at the same time, as tours expand, as you know, weekends get just more and more hectic, yeah. you, you have to just kind of pick a weekend and, and then hope it's going to fit within you know, the schedules, um, you know, and I, you're exa- you hit on a great point, which is people think spring break, Florida, March, you think of the stereotypical stuff, sure. you know, yeah. I mean, MTV spring break yeah. is really where it's at from oh, the nineties. Yeah. Oh, I remember <laughs> all too well, but um, it's like you said, it's not really that environment. You know, I, I flew into yeah. Orlando last night, you know, whether it's a 90 minute drive or whatever you're taking, or you're coming up from Clearwater or wherever you're right. It's more of this remote, uh, feeling to it so it's if if you can go find that wildness if you really wanted to go into orlando or oh, something yeah, like that yeah. but here you know it's not like you're inundated with a bunch of you know 22 year olds or 18 year olds running around you know getting too crazy so sure, yeah. uh yeah it's definitely again florida spring break march it it doesn't fit those stereotypes so uh and then speaking let's talk a little bit about your field quickly uh you know we talked about a few of the superstars of course that we're going to be filming out there uh looking at just in terms of ratings you've got Macbeth, heimberg gilbert uh, gilbert like 
ran the table, I feel like, in uh, in December and January yeah. or sometime in that time frame. It was just on your dominating yeah. Florida yeah. for a few months. Obviously, Tim Barham, Discraft sponsored player, and uh, Alex Russell, Charlie Goodpasture, uh, Aaron Doyle, uh, Sullivan Tipton, who's someone I don't uh, think I personally know, but I'm I'm guessing with that rating, I probably will soon. Yeah, he's, he's um, I believe he's going to school over here. Okay, originally from I think Alabama. Yep. Okay. Uh, super nice kid. Uh, glad he's in the event. Um, he has won or placed very high in a handful of uh, smaller events that I run. I've okay. run out here before on some golf courses and things like that. But uh, yeah, so, yeah, like, great to see him. Uh, I see Dave Eilers there, who's yep, plays out on the course um, today. Yep. Yeah, he's super good dude and um, love to uh, see him back out here playing as well. He's, he seems to do well out here. And then uh, and Dave Perkins, yeah, he late. just kind yeah. of snuck in in the last couple of days. Yep. Uh, you know, we were talking about him earlier about, you know, him taking on more of a media role uh, where he's, you know, you know, he's kind of dabbling in both still competing at a high level. He had a couple of really great rounds at Texas States and then, you know, we'll come play here. He's heard so much about it and was excited to come play. And so uh, we'll see him take on the course. And then on the FPO side, you know, we talked about it a lot that it feels like our our FPO players, a number of them have taken off. They're just simply relaxing and not necessarily trying to tackle a ton of events leading up to the champions cup sure. so we see a few of the you know the europeans are either heading back or taking some time off Kristen tatar headed back to estonia but then you know so notably like page cat not necessarily in town but then uh we still see a pretty solid field you got a couple sponsored player lisa fakis ellen widboom and a, a couple of your other you know we'll say standard uh florida women that are yeah. here to compete Yep. And then uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, I believe there's a couple of new uh, superstars in the making uh, that, that I don't know much about, but I'm guessing I'll see them by the end of the weekend. What do you, what do you know about Jordan and Morgan? Jordan and Morgan um, have come on strong, um, I'd say the last year to year and a half. Um, and they have been um, pretty refreshing in the sense that it's, uh, they've taken it very seriously. And they have come and started playing a lot of events. Okay. And I would say, you know, probably like most, it started with not a whole lot of experience, and but have you know kind of migrated into uh, what's happening in Florida. Okay. Um, you know, I, I wish we had a, a bigger FPO field uh, than we probably do right now. Um, but they've been a nice addition, and what I think has been uh, kind of cool to see is that they have um, played the advanced women, the the amateur women's, but are also dabbling into the pro to get more of that okay. experience. And uh, Cool people to watch out for? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And uh, we're happy to have them as well. They played last weekend okay. and uh, took first and second. Of course. I, I was them, looking right? at so, their stats a moment yes, ago, and it yeah. seems like, uh, first and second is, you know, they're just jockeying back and forth yeah. one or the other. Yeah. They're, it's crazy to see them also one, literally one rating point apart. Oh, from another. Yes, so it tells yes. you how competitive they are. Yeah. And then what, something else that jumps out, I'm looking at your, your master's field, your pro master's, uh, a lot of Midwestern representation, Illinois, um, uh, up those there. Guys. Uh, those guys. Those guys. <laughs> I'm not going to start on that. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but this, seeing like, you know, your top five or six uh, or seven master's age guys, all from everywhere but Florida, yep, and yep. and it just I guess the point to that is people are making this a destination event for all the things we just talked about. Yeah, and it just goes back to the 
like, you know, nothing against Tennessee in, in uh, late March, early April, but I've been a, a longtime veteran. This is actually the first time in 17 years I'm not going to Bowling Green tournament. Okay. So I may, it might be 18. So sure. uh, it's up there. And that's just because they ended up on the same weekend as Tallahassee, and I'm going to be in Tallahassee next weekend. Okay. But the point is, going back, is that it's kind of like, well, what do you want to do? Do you, again, no, no offense to geography, it's just geography, right? I don't make it up. <laughs> but you're going to go to Nashville, or you've got a chance to come to Florida, and we're seeing more people at least trying to, you know, come and take that chance down in Florida. And some people have been here. Uh, before and others have not at all. Yeah, so well, they've heard and they've yeah, seen correct. and think, hey, I need to get there. So one of the the and I, it's always a little tongue in cheek. It's the Grand Canyon, G R A N. Grand. Yeah, Canyon. exactly. Yeah. Um, anything you say to everyone when the, the immediate response is throw it on the mountain, like it's not a mountain. We're in Florida, you know. Like, what's your what, what would you say to the haters and the naysayers that you know immediately feel like they have to cut in on you know us calling it throw down the mountain um it's a mountain for our standards there you go. And, okay. and, I, and i'm gonna go back to what i talked about just like just the the changes in elevation where we're not just throwing down a low like some type of low grade hill sure you're literally you know eight stories up throwing to eight stories down yeah and you've got to land in a, in a spot and then um, the whole 16, um, there has been massive debate on actually how high uh, it is, cause, right? Well, because every year I make up a new number about how, uh, if that's the fifth it, highest point in Central Florida. Like, but I think yeah. I think my default is that I always claim it's the fifth highest point in Central Florida. Yeah, I heard right. that one year. <laughs> right. So from what I can gather, it's in the top one, right? <laughs> Okay. We're all of Florida. We're all of Florida. <laughs> okay. So it's not super high, but again, <laughs> the excavation just sure. creates those dramatic drops and, and cliffs. And um, no, you're we're not in Colorado. We're not even in the Smoky Mountains, sure. whatever. But for what we got, it is what it is. And when I'll be honest, when coming up with a name, I wanted it to be kind of bizarre in yeah. the sense that it would be yeah. like. Mountain, Wait, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, sure. I, I, I should investigate, right? <laughs> so, and what are these girls talking about? Right, yeah. <laughs> so, and that's what's kind of happened. And um, we've kept the, the course has been the Grand Canyon from <laughs> from when I moved here back mm -hmm. in the early two thousands, and so we've kept that as the course name, the property name. Sure. Okay. It's the Grand Canyon course, but the event itself is throw down the mountain and. We just really wanted to emphasize, I believe somebody figured out there's like eight down massive downhill shots or downhill shots, and most of which are you know pretty significant. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you know that's half the course, you know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where it comes from. That's the gist of it. There was a little bit of marketing into some of that, and to get people interested in coming and checking out. You know, going back to the history. Um, I want to say it was 98 might have been the first event. Okay. And the the basic history that I understood was uh, Greg Osfeld mm -hmm. was contacted by Brad Augsberger, who I actually uh, met again recently, uh, came out and played. 
Um, but he was mountain biking. And so mm. if you think of mountain biking kind of terrain and then you're like, oh, let's throw some discs too, yeah, right? And that's kind of where it came from. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to sit on your little keyboard, you hide your little computer. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start trolling right now. Or on your little phone, whatever you got. Maybe you got an Atari. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you got. ColecoVision. ColecoVision. Yeah. Uh, you want to like shoot Get worked your opinion. Out. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. That's great. That's cool. We're good with it. Otherwise, come down, play yeah. the course, see what it is. We get so many new people every year that are just blown away by it. They're uh, can't wait till it opens again. Yeah. We gave them an extra two weeks this year. We went from four to six weeks. Okay. And uh, which is the max that my permit allows on the on the property. And, okay. Um, but uh, we're real happy with where everything's at. I mean. You know, we got to cross our fingers on a little bit of weather this weekend, but, um, you know, whatever happens outside of, you know, what we're doing is, is fine. We're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to be sold out every single year that, mm-hmm. that we have been. And I hope for even just for the Florida folks alone, like I just want more of those people to be able to absorb that. We had a contingency, I think it was weekend two. Uh, from Miami, I want to say there's over 20 players, if I'm not mistaken, from Miami, which is, you know, they got some flat courses, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Nothing too crazy. And it was awesome to see these guys come up and in droves all wearing the same shirts. Yeah, and, yeah, representing yeah. the area. So that's what we, you know, at the end of the day, if I just made my Florida people super stoked and come to play this once a year, and that'd be enough for me. But we love having Paul. We love having Calvin, obviously, being from the Tampa area. Yeah. Um, we've got a nice, nice group again and you know we're gonna probably make some adjustments I, I will say that moving from three to four weekends took some planning and we didn't we did not nail it okay you know it <laughs> really? took, you weren't perfect yeah you know how many times I gotta be perfect? <laughs> but we we we're gonna get to a point to where you know things are gonna fit really really nice within that uh four tournament weekends six total weekends and we're hope, hopefully going to get some opportunities for even more players to enjoy it. And, um, you know, I, I think that's really the goal for us is to just internally as our own event. Um, again, we're not open year round. Yep. You know, I don't even have permanent tee pads. we got to do a lot of work out there. And I think for what it is encompassed in itself, I think we've been, we've done a pretty good, you know, yeah. uh, Starting a good job at it. So. Well, if you're talking about nearly 800 people this year, you're talking about waiting lists, you're talking about, you know, a couple of the best players on the planet, again, putting it on their schedule. I mean, all of that to me speaks volumes about the property and the event that you're putting on. So there's, I, I don't think anyone can second guess any of that. Uh, speaking real quick, then, if people want to come out and experience it, give us a few of the logistics. What does that mean? What are you doing for spectating, parking? Because yeah. there's there's some challenges. So, Again, we're on private yeah, property. I, I won't go the, you know, the, the minutiae on it, but uh, we were able to access some property right next door previously. Okay. That wasn't in play this year. Okay. Um, um, ironically, a relative of the person that uh, does own that property is in the loop on this. We're going to put all our spectators, um, It's I think it's, right at two miles door to door okay but it's literally on mondon hill road which is the same, main road yep, same road and you just turn on cooper to get to the, the mountain property um but we're gonna put everyone over there 
Okay. Um, parking wise, yeah. Parking wise, um, we're going to probably do all the logistics over there. Is what it looks like. Probably going to make some official announcements tomorrow night. Um, probably looking at ten bucks a car to park, ten bucks to watch, sure. to come in. Okay. Um, we feel that with the growth that we've had in the sport, I, I mean, my phone, my email, whatever, has not stopped with people wanting to know. The problem was is we didn't have an answer until today okay. on what that is. So we'll be making some additional announcements on that. Um, we want to welcome as many spectators as, you know, want to come. Um, we are in a growing phase, so maybe a little patience ahead yep. of time because yep. this is all what we've had to do here. Again, these are logistics I don't see with a lot of events. Yeah. So well, yeah. a lot of it's self-contained mm -hmm. because we're so remote. We've got to rely on some other folks, and and a lot of that takes relationship building and and uh, just getting things done and wait wait until other people get back to you. So, but we're we're pumped. We're ready. We want to have a great showing this weekend. Um, we've got some some between the MV40, the FPO, and the MPO. We've got some great. Uh, players for these spectators to come check out. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, certainly a great facility and property. You saw some of you saw my, me with my uh, my balloon wristband. Everyone's got to be wristbanded, you know, and you, you sign a waiver. Again, you're coming on a private property, yeah. Yeah. and there's all the things that go along with that. There's a respect issue, uh, you know, and, and just taking in uh, this private venue that you've put your name and your company and everything else on the line so that everyone else can come enjoy it. And I, yeah. I you know, that's worth mentioning that. I I think a lot of people don't realize it's that. literally a farm. Yeah. And we're not there. Yeah. The rest of the year, there's, you know, two or three dozen cows out there and it's a farm and the cows are just out there eating the grass. And <laughs> we come in and we kind of manipulate things for uh, four to six weeks and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, get that put together. And we just got to know who's supposed to be there and who's not. I mean, the wristband's kind of, you know, a, a unique thing, I think, mm -hmm. for a lot of events. But I have to be able to look at you and, know that you've signed the waiver that's all yeah. that, that's all that signifies yeah. that you've signed the waiver and you're you're good, you're to, be good there. to go I, uh are yeah. we gonna have food vendors uh yep well on, on site or our, our our pals at beach buns uh jeff and eileen are gonna okay. be out again uh they've got a little bit expanded menu and uh they'll be ready to go they've been awesome the last few years we've had them and uh super super cool and right there next to tournament central uh, you'll probably be able to smell the, the cooking going on right oh, there, uh, right off the parking lot. But got a little bit of food. We get, definitely have, you know, beverages and things like that on site. So no, no one will go without. Um, and I really, I think, you know, the way the course sets up, I'm, I would love to see, uh, how it looks with, you know, a pretty good spectator crowd yeah, out there. That's a gallery yeah. out there. Uh, last thing then, uh, if somebody is newer or coming to the area, uh, you have tons of merchandise, a lot of event-specific merchandise as yeah. well, but a lot of the new releases I saw by Discraft, Tour Series stuff, Throw Down the Mountain stuff, that's all available out there on site. And then uh, will the store be accessible uh, and open here? And then how, how do you – Yeah, that? I, know I, and I appreciate you asking that because at the end of the day, we're, we literally have like 90% of our crew out there because it's, there's so many positions to be filled. We run a skeleton crew here. It's usually okay. one person with the, a fill-in throughout the day. Okay. And, um, yeah, we've got the, the swirly uh, St. Patty's Day buzzes, which were a big hit. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and also our Crystal Flex Raptors, uh, Crystal Flex Sparkle Raptors, okay. uh, which 
we're pretty, I don't want to say we're sold out. We've got a couple hundred left, but, you know, out of 1,500, we're doing pretty good on those. Um, those will all be out there. Um, word on the street is that there may be some more Lunas coming into town. Uh, we did, uh, speaking of Calvin, uh, we did get some of the Calvin destroyers in. Um, those, those, I believe, are uh, sold out through the factory store, so we'll have some of those on site. But yeah, we've got a, a massive presence out there. Um, if I had to guess, 5,000 plus discs out there, plus all the you know accessories and all that type of stuff. Um, the shop is open the same time. I mean, we're seven sure. days a week over here too. And uh, we'd love to see it either one. I mean, what's really nice is a lot of folks take advantage of coming into town to, to play the mountain, but then swing over here, play this course, exactly. Sunset Ridge. And check out the pro shop. I mean, we we've done you know it only took like I said twenty years to get it this big, but we've done a pretty good job, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. As I said, it felt like we opened the show in disc golf heaven. There's uh, all the manufacturers, all the different brands, tons of accessories. I see baskets, bags, everything out anyone could want. In addition to uh, you know nearly unlimited supply of discs and options. And this is the one I have. I told yeah. you, maybe get you over the other building. We got another building which has literally. I think about 5,000 more than this building. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So plenty of shopping available. Anything you want to say to everyone before I let you go? Oh, uh, no wheelies, <laughs> you know, be careful out there. Uh, I, I feel like I was coming in on something about wearing a helmet earlier <laughs> when I got back in my truck to come over here. Oh, yeah. So uh, wear a helmet if you got to. <laughs> that, that's um, a good idea, but also and keep uh, it in the fairway. Keep right? it in the fairway. That's, that's, that's yeah. definitely uh, some good advice out there. Uh, well, it's good advice really everywhere, but keep it in the fairway. I like that. Yeah. All right. I'm going to let you go. Me and Johnny will probably wrap things back up before I do that. Johnny, did you have any, any specific there questions? You hear me year in and year out, come down here, provide the coverage and, and then talk to you about how great things are. But any, mm -hmm. anything in particular you got from Mike here? No, you covered it all. I, I feel, I feel left out that I'm not there. That's about <laughs> it. I need to get, I, I do need yeah, to get down you should, there. Uh, you should come down here and play. Well, what I, I, I would love to come down and what I really want to do is I think try to swing it into my work schedule so I can visit one of my Florida offices as I just then, you there know, you go. we've got, we've got them all over Florida now. So I'll, I'll What's make that What's the closest happen. one to Tampa? You got one uh, in Tampa? Uh, we, Trinity, the Trinity area in Tampa? Like uh, 20 uh, minutes from here. Yeah. Yeah. Like New, yeah. What, New Haven, Richie, or was that it's called or something like that? I forget the exact. Newport, Richie. Yeah. Newport that's Ritchie, literally yeah, 15 minutes from here. Yeah. 10 minutes from here. Yep. Yeah. The, the Trinity, I believe at one point was the fastest growing city in Florida. Not even maybe a year ago or something. It's on hyper growth right now. So the know. title business he works in is probably doing just fine. Over yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your promotion? <laughs> yeah, <we're, laughs> Come down here and get your promotion. I, I don't need a promotion. They pay me very well. I'm a very happy camper. <laughs> There's well, nowhere to go. You too can get on a yacht like uh, yeah. Matt here. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> disc, golf, disc golf treats me well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then I'm going to let you go. We're going to wrap, see you, wrap up Good the to after, see you too, uh, do an after show, and then, uh, and then we'll be getting out of here soon. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. That's Mike Barnett, everyone. He, don't call him for the next few days. He's going to be busy doing <laughs> stuff, and uh, ho hopefully everything's going to be uh, going as smoothly as possible. So thank you. Yeah, All right. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for, the, so to speak, the regular show. If you want to yeah. uh, wrap things up, we could jump into an after show for a little while. We you will. Good, we'll do an after show. I think for tonight, 
We're going to give away. We have to do two giveaways at some point, but I think maybe we'll just do one tonight. Or maybe we'll do two tonight. Okay. I don't really care. But we got another disc in a box. Woo! Yeah, we do. Disc All in a, right. Disc in a box. Because we got one right here well, sitting yeah, for our, their, uh, our last winner. That the, the monthly giveaway from uh, um, from Disc Golf. From Disc who, Member. Who gives us that disc Member. Disc Member does this disc from DiscStore.com. Disc Member is like a sub okay. thing. And yeah. they do they do a, a monthly box that they send you with a disc. And this one feels a little cushy. It might have a t-shirt in it. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but either way, we're going to give we're going to give this away tonight. It's a, it's like a $40 value or something or 400. But I think. All 40. right. So, well, we'll we'll do that tonight. And then uh, next week for the next week's show, I'll bring this back with me. Uh, we're going to give away this beautiful Throw Down the Mountain 10. Holy cow, look at this guy. Ooh, that Put is that pretty. There, right? Look at that. I like me some buzzes. Yes, that is beautiful. How about I take that one? I'll give away one of my first run buzzes. <laughs> ah, this this is absolutely gorgeous. So I'll bring this back with me, and then uh, maybe next week, like I said, we can uh, we can give this bad boy away. Of course, thank you to sunkingdisc.com for yes. that sponsorship here tonight. We appreciate that. All right. Well, let's uh, let's cut it, and then we'll jump into the after show. And um, we might have a special guest appearance. I don't know. Will Smith said he might jump on stage with us. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe not. All right. We're going to close it out. I think this has been, what, number 396. I just got a text from... Waisaki, so I'll, I'll see what he has to say. But wow. three ninety six, uh, we're going to wrap it up. We'll we'll tell you about our Texas State champion, uh, Rick, Ricky Waisaki, in the after show for Johnny V, Terry Miller, the disc golf guy. Guy, wow, along Boy. with Mike Barnett over at Sun King Disc and Throw Down the Mountain. That's been podcast three ninety six. We'll see you in a few minutes when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our two dollar and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 